Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. We're live, it's just coming up to 8 o'clock, spot on 8 o'clock in the UK. Uh, and uh, I'm John Hindorf reporting from our exclusive Erie overlooking the pit out and start finish line at the Nürburgring Grand Prix track for uh, the running this weekend of the Zurich ADSC 24 hours of the Nürburgring. It's Series 10, episode number 20, and up in London is our executive producer, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. Oh, you came in. Sorry, I forgot you were only coming in through one of my ears. I'd forgotten all about that. You sound like you're sitting right next to me, so everything's working for you. On a packed programme tonight, we have what? Uh, We have all the usual features, including news. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have uh, special guests. Um, one of whom is uh, Graham Goodwin from DailySportsCar.com uh, because we have some Le Mans related news. Yes, we do. Uh, we have a special announcement. Do we? Right. Uh, a little later on in the show. Uh, we're going to be previewing this weekend's 24-hour race, the Nürburgring. Right. Uh, should I mention that you're there? Yeah, no, I'm there. I mean, I've just said I've, I've said I'm Did here. Excellent. Uh, and uh, a point of release of the week as well. Oh, so it's a packed programme then? Very packed. Um, and we should also have our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon, joining us uh, from a lavatory somewhere near a Formula One factory in Milton Keynes. Good You're evening, Nick. In Barcelona, aren't you, Nick? Hello! Uh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. No paella here, I'm afraid. No paella? No. We're a bit down the brown blast and happy, but happy wallet nicked either. Oh well, that's but surely that's good. I've got a, I've got a story that links both Barcelona and a big story in um, Le Mans this week together. Have you? I and it also links together your man who's sitting next to you, Joe Bradley, and what I gave him a few months ago. Oh really? Hang on. Uh, let me bring in Joe Bradley, who is alongside us. Joe, yeah, does it have two grooves? It does. It's a scale-electric, it's a scale-electric associated story because back in you know, 2000, 2001, Minardi, believe it or not, put on a function, I think, with Marc Genet's people. There we are, you see. And it was a scale-electric competition at the bottom in, in somewhere down by the port in Barcelona. Ah, very good. Very good indeed. More from Joe Bradley in a little while when we start talking about Formula One. Uh, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. We have some apologies for absence. Some of these came in yesterday. You're getting very good at tweeting to at Specutainment and at Radio Le Mans. Apologies for absence, says Pete Newton. I'm looking for Red Bull's Teddy so that I can put it back in the pram. 
which we like that quite a lot. Uh, quite a lot of you asking if we can get the uh, get the uh, podcast up quickly uh, tonight because you are heading down to the uh, Nurburgring, and I have to say that the dishwasher packing saga has been raised again by Louise Beckett and Alan McNish has uh, has dived back in. Uh, Crete is an issue uh, this week for... What about it? Um, absence from the programme. Uh, the Kevin whole of Payne. Crete is absent. Yeah, the whole of Crete is absent because of restricted internet access and Kevin Payne has told us about that. Uh, although... What? I don't know. Although UKI Racer has said uh, he's already planning his weekend to be with us uh, for a full weekend of sport. Uh, Mark Rickett said, only my third week, so a new listener, first time tweeter, uh, will need to listen in the morning, taking four-year-old birthday girl to the circus tonight. Mm. Mm. I wonder what sort of circus. We did see a proper circus. We saw a proper circus with animals, including llamas, on the way here. It's the modern way. Mm. I'm not sure that animals in circuses still uh, still should be there. Um, and a lot of people asking us about our coverage. We will have every session of the uh, N24 cars out on the track uh, from tomorrow. Check the uh, website for details. About 2.30 tomorrow UK time, 3.30 if you're in Germany. We have some bonus coverage of some of the other bits and pieces as well, but that'll only be the races, we think. We'll give uh, you more are details. You gonna have, are you going to have a commentating challenge on the N24, though, John? About what? Well, are you going to have to slow down your speech at certain parts of the track? Well, that's a very interesting thing that you've pointed out. We have got speed limiters on the commentary desk, which automatically just lowers down a bit. So. It's always like you rehearsed that. <laughs> <laughs> you did, didn't you? No, <laughs> we didn't. We d- we d- we absolutely didn't. Let me go through some more of the. Uh, let me go. The listeners going to wonder what we actually do in rehearsals. Rehearsals, heaven. <laughs> Heavens. I think exactly what I do. Turn him up. Turn him up. You're on the left, I'm on the right. I want him more stereo. I can't hear you. That's our rehearsal. Where's yes. the gin? <laughs> Where, where's the vodka and coke? That's the, that's the, all I need to know. Anyway, let's uh, let's crack on. Um, it's a full big Wednesday tonight because following the show uh, this evening, uh, brand new and exclusive, we have another one of our inside programs. This is inside the SCG003. This is the extraordinary project. Uh, that has been brought here to the Nürburgring for the 24 hours. A GT3 car like no other. And we exclusively talked uh, earlier on today to the man behind it. Jim Glickenhouse speaks to Radio Le Mans tonight, RadioLeMond.com tonight, uh, after this show uh, on Inside SCG 003. It's exclusive after Midweek Motorsport. But now, let's have a look at the news. Shuffle some papers. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And we're going to start with Formula One news. So uh, I'm pleased to say that our Formula One correspondent Nick Damon is with us. Yay! As is Joe Bradley. Hooray-ish. Sorry, there you go. Yeah, I had to turn him on before. Uh, Right turn lover, by the way, travelling on uh, non-Wi-Fi transport from Greater Manchester to Central Switzerland. But I should be home for... Pointless press release of the week. Well, and and obviously the Glickenhaus program as well. Now that he, uh, now that he knows that. I've uh, always found that uh, public transport in Switzerland has uh, very adequate Wi-Fi. Yes. Well, once he gets to Switzerland, he'll be fine. 
You would be. Right. Up, you see, I must say, you wouldn't seem out of place to see the word Glickenhaus on a Swiss cuckoo clock, would it? Right. Sounds yeah. like a clockmaker. They don't do clocks. They do watches and chocolates. Not clocks. Who makes the clocks? Not the Swiss. What? So you go into Switzerland, you can't buy a clock. So Ferrari last year earned $164 million out of uh, prize money from uh, Formula One. Yes, they did. Wow. Well done. Uh, and yet they weren't the team that won. No. Because... Uh, and Red Bull uh, got $156 million, and they didn't win either. No. Because they have the boat... As we discussed last year, we ran into this, we were trying to work out how bankrupt Mauricio really were. Um that there is a there's money you get for doing well and there's money you get for just being there, there. and Ferrari get the most just being their money and then Red Bull <laughs> Racing get the next most just being their money uh, and uh, then it, the, the other teams you get just being their money are Mercedes, McLaren and Williams but unfortunately Force India Scuderia Toro Rosso Lotus, Mauricio Sauber and of course the now defunct came from get no just being their money and just get prize money Right. So out of Ferrari's $164 million, $97 million was their just being their money. Mm-hmm. And for Red Bull, after the $156 uh, million, $74 million was their just being their money. Don't forget the just being their money adjusts depending on how well you do in the championship. So the better you do, the less just being their money you get. Which is presumably why Williams got just $10 million. Yes, it, it's kind of like an evener. It's basically saying the Ferrari would always get a shed load of cash, uh, however badly they do, because they do badly. The money they've lost in their prize money we made up by just being their money, uh, and they get more just being their money than anybody else, so they'll always do best. If Ferrari uh, got um, no prize money whatsoever... They came mm-hmm. 11th, yeah. Uh, where would they rank in prize money table? Well, they, they get more just being their money as well. Yes. They probably come just below Mercedes, I'd say. Uh, just below McLaren, yes, who are sure. just below Mercedes themselves. I know you're calling it just being their money, but it's a bit like nectar points, isn't it? They're like It's like a loyalty thing. You know, Ferrari have been there since the, the World Championship began, so, you know, they deserve to get the most being their money. And what about Red well, Bull, Joe? Because they've well, been there since well, 1950, whenever. No, but they've proved that they can do the job. By winning no. consecutive world champions, championships, and spending the most money. Nick, the thing is, he's right. It, it is. It is like, uh, it is like nectar points because you get. You, you, they've spent the most money consistently over the years, so they're just getting their dividend like the old co-op. Well, no, it's true. It's like nectar points. They should get like uh, ten pounds off a trip to Alton Town. Shouldn't they? Well, they um, can spend. If you watched any of the uh, the British coverage at the weekend, they can spend their tokens however they want. <laughs> that was very funny. But think about this: is this why do they get just being their money? Why is why do Red Bull get just being their money? I'll tell you why they get just being their money because the guy who owns the Red Bull team owns twenty percent of the as the, the Formula One grid, and he can't afford to to get hacked no, off. They actually got it because they signed up the new Concord Agreement before everybody. Else, and what was one of the things they signed up to for their just being their money? They've already received twice. What was one of the things they signed up they, to? They signed up to the spending agreement and the no, hours no, no, agreement. No. What commitment did they make to F1? Uh, that third they would car. Th- they would run remember? a third car if necessary. That they would no, they would run till two thousand and twenty. 
They are committed to They're going to struggle with these Renault engines. They can't get them to run three laps. Never mind all the way to 2020. Well, that doesn't matter because they're going to get Audi engines. Well, this is the whole point. They're turning around going, oh, we're going to throw it. We're not going to play anymore. We don't like it. We want Audi to come in. But actually, they can't. They have committed to being there to 2020 regardless of how well or how bad they do. So or Nick, you can if bet your bottom million dollars, Bernie's got a really big clause that's going to claw back hundreds of millions of dollars. Let's let's assume that Audi have an, a Formula One engine ready to go, which I'm mm. sure they probably do, or they're pretty close to it. Um, why would they want to come in and do that when? Well, you know, that's just a whole other thing. And it's, there's only one person saying this, and that's the guy who Mark Webber even says can't be trusted. It's Helmut Marco, who's the. Mm. Uh, who's, it, it's just. just compl- I mean, I, I, I don't want to have a go at members of a collective. So, I, I, but someone said, "Oh, the news being reported on the BBC, so it must be true." No, it's still the same, same load of rubbish. It's just that they, they, they couldn't fill their pages on Monday either or Tuesday, so they had to write it up. Yes, but don't forget, if the BBC like, Formula One correspondent hasn't heard about it, then it's not going to happen. So Mark Webber hasn't, in fact, left Formula One and gone to Porsche. Well, it's like me saying, you know, I don't, I don't particularly like, uh, let's say, I don't particularly like living in Milton Keynes and paying my mortgage, and I'm going to move out unless Lloyds Bank give me a million pounds. Mm. It's... It just makes no sense. I mean, I'm not saying that Audi aren't going to come in with an engine. I'm not saying they're not going to uh, buy anything else. But it's just kind of like, what on earth are you talking about? You, it's, why are you reporting the ramblings of an idiot? <laughs> he speaks very highly of you, though. Joe Bradley. If, if we think about it from a sporting sense, though, Audi have got nothing to prove anymore in sports. No, no, but you, but you see, even by saying that, right, you're adding fuel to the fire of what Helmo's, Helmut's ramblings. I know, yeah. I know, so I know, I know, you I know. just don't accept the premise of what he's saying because nobody else does. Well, we, we were discussing the other day that there's, you know, there's, there's every likelihood that Audi have done a feasibility study on a Formula One engine. What's the final Domenicali's doing for them? He's yeah. looking after all of their interest in single-seaters at the moment. He's on all of the committees. Mm-hmm. He's looking at everything to try and shape the future of single-seater racing so that it would that if and when it suits them they'd be able to come in and do something and do something that was meaningful to them but that still doesn't mean necessarily that they are going to buy in and as nick rightly says there's nothing that red bull and scudra toro rosso can do until 2020 anyway they can't leave so all of this bluster uh, sorry, but, Red Bull. Uh, yeah. Have they not signed up? I thought it was. Is it so no, 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 Red Bull? It's, it's, right. they're, they're, they're sort of signed up, but it's all about the uh, the penalties involved, and um, you know, you, it's hard to find a team who goes bust. But if you've been paying them just being their money, I think you've probably find you could get the just being their money back and then some. Mm. Um, let's move on because this is just ridiculous speculation from Helmut Marko. It's not even speculation; it's a wish list. Well, and yeah, a stroppy witness of a teenager he could, who's he, been told he has to stay in his room because he's not doing his homework. He could have he, as easily have, have said Hyundai or Toyota or Honda. Uh, oh, no, or Honda, not Honda. No, not Honda because they rather do badly. Um, you know, the, he could have picked Cadillac out of the air 
and it, it wouldn't have made any blind bit of difference. They probably squashed it. They're quite heavy. You're missing. Uh, you're missing. You're listening to Midweek <laughs> Motorsport at Series 10, Episode 20. Uh, it's Hindoff, Roller, Bradley, Trustwell, and uh, later as well, you'll hear from Graham Goodwin, all live here at the Nurburgring. Nick Damon is in Milton Keynes, and up in London, our executive producer is Tim Gray with another story. There was a race at the weekend. There was. There was. And I Nick and I watched it, it together. So, um, so try not. To Try not to spoil it for me. Okay, well, in which case, uh, you need to turn off for six seconds. Okay. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting race, Nick. You and I saw this race very differently, although we watched it together. Although, in fairness, I did doors off for the last ten laps. And, <laughs> I can't uh, believe you said that, because it wasn't what you said when you were sitting next to me. No, I said I found it interesting for different reasons. I didn't think it was a particularly good race, but I found it very interesting that the way the tyre situation played out and the tactical situation played out. But as I've said before, that has no place in Formula 1 in a race that lasts an hour and 40 minutes that you are sitting there analysing it, Joe, like it was a six-hour endurance race and wondering how the tyre strategy is going to play out. We shouldn't be doing that, should we, in Formula 1? It's not about that. It's about... uh... But I mean, you know, we, we talk about fuel economy and the green issue and we're trying to drag that into Formula One with the more fuel efficient engines. For me, Barcelona is not a race that I kind of look forward to. Barcelona, I watched it at the weekend and realised what a rubbish track it is. It kind of is, isn't it? It's one of the very early Tilka Domes, I believe. No, it's was not. it a Tilka Dome? No, it's no, not a Tilka Dome. It's not no. a Tilka Dome. The, but it was, it was... A couple of the amendments were done by, by Tilka. I believe that they changed right. the final corner, which, is, which became a uh, chicane rather than a sweep down, which was designed actually to improve the chance of overtaking. Uh, and and the, but it's a but, great test circuit. But frankly, though, Nick, as you and I said, the influence on overtaking of the pass flaps is actually too great at mm, Barcelona. It is, yeah. Yeah, you don't need DRS at Barcelona. You come out of that final turn and it's all about actually racing someone and and feeling a slipstream because that main straight is long enough. We've been doing that for decades. The best racing was in the first two laps before they enabled the pass. Yes, wasn't it? Absolutely. When people were having a bit of a dice. Yeah. But the reason being there is is that the new front wings, as as everyone's kind of pointed out, make it hard to follow behind without... A, because you get aero wash, and B, because it absolutely wrecks your tyres. So the first couple of laps, people were prepared to push the uh, the tyres the tires and stay close enough to try and get bound and dive through. I mean, I, watched, I actually watched both the GP2 races, and they were a little bit more adventurous in where they'll, where they'll go past people. But I think there's a, a bigger gap in talent in the uh, between the front and back of that grid. Um, but again, DRS is working was now in GP2, and that was working too well. well. And is a very poor track to race. I, mean, I, I do remember one race when I was doing the post-race press conferences in Hacken and won, and in the entire race, nothing had happened apart from, I think, one person had dropped down to fourth and got back to third at the first corner. And uh, they're going, I have nothing to ask any of you. I couldn't say that, obviously. I had to try and make something up. But it was, it is a dull place. Mm. And, and I don't know uh, why, though. I don't know why. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a test facility. So maybe we're sharpening a razor blade by the time we go there to race. Because we're, we're you know, everyone is optimise on, on what they need from their cars with regards to, you know, setups and, and everything else. And I just, I, for, forever, Barcelona has been a very dull race. Well, it's because it, it's um, long, long radius corners. Uh, yes, it is. Which yeah. effectively mean in, in F1 as of ever, ever since, what, about 1990, you know, you can't follow directly behind because you just get, you lose the front end yeah. and you just wash out. And then you, you can't, the, the bits where it's twistier are the wrong sort of twisty 
and you have a very fast drive onto the final straight. And uh, the only way that people can get up behind them is obviously now a DRS, and you need to have good traction off the last corner. And that was obviously what got Lewis, Lewis going in that uh, middle section. But yeah, you know, it wasn't a very good race. Well, again, and I don't want to sound like I've, I've, I've spent my entire time shaking my fist and swearing at the press since, but, you know, I don't think, I didn't think that Rosberg was, was, was completely out of it at the end of, of um, Bahrain. I don't think he's back in it because of one good weekend here either. You know, it's... it's... I, I love what Vettel's doing in the Ferrari. I think that, you know what, the Ferrari, the, Ferrari, the car, is where Raikkonen is. Vettel, the, the car is perhaps where Raikkonen is, and the rest is all Vettel. He really? is absolutely ringing that, ringing the, that no, card. No, Joe, you're, I, I think you're completely wrong. Me too. That's a big shocker. Nick Deere and Joe Bradley disagree. I, big I think that Ferrari couldn't find their backsides at the moment with uh, a searchlight and a GPS device in terms of their tactics because they are not maximising the use of the tyres. They've got one driver who doesn't like a loose back end on the car, one driver that does like a loose mm-hmm. back end on the car. They're messing around. They're given Vettel uh, priority status because they're not given Raikkonen all the bits. Raikkonen didn't have the same car as Vettel at the weekend, so you can't say that that Vettel's car uh, and Raikkonen's car he's were the same. He's the car on the podium. Who? Vettel. But he's driving a different car. He had a different aero wow. kit at the weekend. He's Don't forget, he's number one. He runs the team. He gets, he gets the strategy. He gets so what you're saying is that Vettel is getting the second best car on the podium. Well, done. no, no, I don't. I don't think he has got the second best car in the field. What do you think? What do you think the second best car? Then? I think. I think the second best car is probably the Williams. No, um, no way. And I think. No point. I think that, I'm sorry, Vettel no, is no. putting that car where yeah. it perhaps shouldn't be. In the last two Take races, Alonso would be winning in it. In the last two races, yeah. Vettel is a great qualifier and he has qualified really, really well. But the last two races, he has been outraced in an identical machine, often with a not so good strategy by, by his teammate. Raikkonen mm. destroyed him in Bahrain and actually in the race, though mm-hmm. he cocked himself up, or the team had cocked himself up with a problem they had in qualifying, the race was much more impressive from Raikkonen than it was from Vettel. There's a certain that's, sense of resignation every time the radio comes on to Raikkonen and says, sorry, mate, we made a mistake. Sorry, mate, we made a mistake. Sorry, mate, we made a mistake. Yeah. You no know, Fettel did well in wherever it was he won, but, you know, and he's not, you know, he's, he's, Fettel's not that good. You know, he's a good qualifier, which in modern Formula One is great. If he'd been, if he'd been driving in the 60s, he'd have been a journeyman. Nick and I agree on something. Mm. Let me shocker. bring Jim Roller in. Nick and I agree on something for a change. Mm. Uh, let's move on. Next uh, story, please. Uh, there's been some Formula 1 testing at Barcelona since uh, the race. There has. Oh, right. Bring me up to date on this because I've seen and heard nothing of it. Oh, there was controversy. Controversy in the Italian press. Really? Yes. Why? Because uh, the Italians didn't use either didn't didn't use either Fettel or um, Reichen to test. They used uh, Gutierrez and Marcello. And right. they said that's because that was because the, te- the Mexican money. So even even Ferrari have to do things with paid drivers now. Unbelievable. Marcello's also been testing for Sauber. I know he's had a good day on testing. In fact, a lot of people got their first go. Alex Lynn got his first go in the uh, Williams, and um, Esteban Ocon got his first go, didn't he? Yes. And actually, loads did. Uh, yeah, Nick Yearley got a run 
Again, it's, yes. It's, it's obviously Nick Yearly decided to spend Yalali, I think of, you'll find that's uh, pronounced. Obviously that's not how you pronounced it when you were commentating on Formula Renault. No, no I know, because that's not how it's, because it's Yellowly, because I've spoken to him and asked him about it. So, discuss, <laughs> is that a better way of spending money than a Jota drive? Hmm? Must be. Do you think so? Hmm? Uh, who else uh, was uh, a young British driver testing? I said Alex Lynn. Did you miss that? No, that's not the one I was talking about. Oh, all right. Oh, one of our interviewees from last week, Mitch Evans, did quite well at the weekend, didn't he? Oh, um, yeah, um, thingy, um, McLaren-y bloke. McLaren-y, <laughs> McLaren-y bloke. What's the turvy? Oliver Turvey. He drove on. Th- yeah. Did he? Yeah. Okay. He drove on the first day. Ah. Mm. Certainly Jensen was in the McLaren today. I was thinking of Jalen Palmer. Yeah. Oh, no, I kind of discarded him because he'd been, he's done two free practices. Yes, but he was uh, fastest today by half a second over so anyone else. Super soft tyres on. Mm. And the, the Mercedes was being run by Pascal Rehrlein. Yeah, Rehrlein. And, um, and know, the but- Red Bull by Pierre Gasly. Yeah, Button was fourth, which tells you everything you need to know. They did 100 laps, though, in that McLaren. Did they? Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's the same car as he, descri- he basically described as trying to kill him during the race. He's not a happy bunny, isn't he? Well, Stay in yeah. Formula One for another year, they said. It'll be great, they said. We've got Honda, they said. Yeah, that's gone well. Then again, it could be worse. You could be Kevin Magnussen. Whose career and is now officially your... over, then? Oh, I think so. Because next year, even There's if... someone faster and cheaper. Yeah, because even if uh, Alonso and Jensen decide that they've had enough and move off to another form of motorsport, thereby being called retired by the rest of the Formula One press, um, then it's going... Unless they both go, um, he's really got no chance, has he? Because Stoffel van Dorn, um, who sounds like a, a really nice dessert, um, will be driving in his stead. Well, it sounds like he's, he's won both the... Um... Uh, main races in GP2, which is the difficult one, and he's done very well in both the sprint races coming back from eighth. So um, obviously our expert is is down in London, or up in London, uh, and I, I'm sure he's been very impressed by Stoffel's start. Mm. Uh, he's only doing what I thought he'd do. Actually, I'll ask you a question because you're better than me. Is, is this not a brilliant year? I'm not quite sure whether this is a good or a bad year in GP2. DRS is ruining it. I'd agree with that. I, I think that was plain to see. Predictably. Yeah, yeah. The pass flap is not required. Uh, there is no form of motorsport that has been improved by pass flaps. Every three years they change GP2, and every three years it gets worse. Yes, did, it's just did, getting yeah. good did, 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 in the third year of the three when everybody's getting used to the machinery and it's sort of levelling out, the cream starts to rise to the top and then they change the formula again. But wasn't the rationale for bringing DRS into GP2 as a driver training process of getting them ready for Formula 1 yes. and DRS? Well, Spoil the racing into all doing. But they're not adding but hybrid to the cars either, are they? True. But little, little, and all the GP2 drivers even, have spent the last two days doing hundreds of laps around... Barcelona, so they could have practiced there. Even the FOM paid commentators said that the pass flaps were ruining the race and there was absolutely no racecraft going yeah, on here. No. So. His predecessor stopped uh, stopped doing it because he thought that uh, the DRS would ruin the racing. Is that why Will stopped? The official reason is that he's far too busy with NBC. Really? 
Oh well, good for him for having principles. But wasn't the reason they only did that because 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 they didn't really change the car? It wasn't a radical redesign of the car, was it? The basic chassis stayed the same for a second three-year period to save money. So they wanted to make it slightly different. Right, let's move on because we've got lots to fit in and we need to move on from Formula 1 onto other stuff. Well, we've got one f- more Formula 1 story to cover. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, is regarding Haas. Ah! Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Say, No, no, that's... Uh-oh. Sorry. <laughs> I know what's coming. Come on. Uh, because Gene Haas has been uh, talking to the press this week and uh, decided that uh, he's not going to rule out hiring Danica Patrick. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> why wouldn't listen, you rule it out? No, no, why? Yeah, why wouldn't you not? Uh, listen, that's too. Because you want to score points in the race, possibly? Formula One's about marketing, isn't Cause, it? Because you want to be able to qualify. Well, no, listen, I, I've got to tell you, if um, oh, yeah. he's, he's, they've already achieved more than USF1, haven't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, USF1 signed two drivers, and they haven't done that yet. No, oh, all right, okay. No, and in fairness, Haas hasn't put out a press release saying that they've got the switchboard sorted. <laughs> you know, once we once that's happening, not making toasters either. Or paid their entity. No, I, I have a feeling a different, a completely different appliance may well be uh, on the cards here, Nick. What do you reckon? Some kind of grill. Well, I think you I know, think you need to listen to this week's pointless press release of the week. Oh, really? Excellent. Uh, okay. Hey, well, let's not spoil. Let's not spoil that. Let's I, not spoil I, that. You know, there is this desperate search for um, a female driver who who can run in F one, and and they've ignored two or three. Probably could have got, done a much better job than uh, Danica, and they've obviously have you know, Susie Wolf bemoaning the fact that she's not getting a chance. Well, Susie A needs to look at her record to understand why she's not getting a chance. And just being married to a rich German, sorry, a rich Austrian, doesn't mean you automatically get a chance. So when she's managed to get herself a couple of drives from Friday, which is a uh, way above her pay grade. Can I just Throw something in here, though. Mm-hmm. Danik is not qualified for a super license. Right. And where have you ever heard the word force majeure? But, <sighs> There's going to be a bigger issue to uh, her coming into Formula One, I think. Well, she's she made a fortune in NASCAR and she made absolutely sweet FA in F1. Well, no, because Gord Daddy's just dropped her, haven't they? Gene... No, they, they, no, they dropped her car, but not her. Ah, right. So they're just sponsoring her not to race. Excellent. What a fine deal. They want her on their adverts, the Super Bowl. Right. Jean Jean Haas says, Danica is highly marketable, and if she can find a sponsor, we will consider her. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) That's interesting, isn't it? Do you not think a fat 52-year-old Mackham would be highly marketable? And if I could find a sponsor, they might consider me. Getting you in the car would be an issue. Getting you in would be fine. Getting you out. out. Then I would just have to live in the <laughs> yeah. car. That'd be a great documentary, isn't it? My year in Formula One. No, really, I spent a full year in the Formula right. One. Winnie the Pooh and Rabbit Hole. <laughs> you know, it's a new use for Riette. We could just cover him in Riette. <laughs> he would pop in sp- and out of the car. I could be sponsored sponsored by Liquid Soap. Could Ooh, we be sponsored there you go. by Riette? Sponsored by Liquid Soap. <laughs> oh, my Powered God, I've just visualised that. I've just visualised it. Not the not the gritty Swarfager though. That would get everywhere. No, no, that'd be horrible. That wouldn't get anywhere. Sorry, Nick. That do you know that Hass are already very unpopular with the rest of the paddock? Why is that, Nick? Have you not heard this? Come on, brilliant. You know how Ferrari have really improved a lot recently, really quickly, Mm -hmm. and everyone was surprised. And you know how there's a limit on what you're allowed to do in wind tunnels. Mm -hmm. And you know how if you're a new team, there's no limit what you can do in wind tunnels. And you know how Haas are a new team using the Ferrari wind tunnel? 
Mm-hmm. I think that's enough of that. Mm, so much so, the FA have been told to have asked if they can monitor. That's mm. Very interesting. And that's always uh, something that's beneficial to the FIA because when the FIA go to monitor something, they charge the team they're monitoring for the privilege of doing so. Oh, excellent. How brilliant. <laughs> How brilliant. All right, it's, uh, it's half past. Time to wrap up the, uh, the single seat in news, although there is a bit of qualifying going on in uh, Indianapolis uh, at the moment, which I was kind of watching a, a few moments ago. Jim Rollins has been watching that as well. And the big news from there, Tim, if we can quickly rattle through this, is was... Is that Helio's started flying? Yeah, mm. Helio's been taking flying lessons. Uh, a lurid airborne moment for Elio Castro Nevers, Jim. The good news is that it appears that uh, he's, he's OK. He got out of the car under his own power. They took him to the hospital, obviously, for the checks, but he should be back in the car, in a car tomorrow, according to really? the news. Yeah, he, he's, he got out okay. Um, he's got to go get checked over, but I don't see that there's any issue. I haven't read anything yet that says that there'll be any issues for him Not sure being in the car tomorrow. Did you watch the IndyCar race on Saturday night? Yeah. Um, don't tell sort of- me. Right, uh, turn away from your television for a moment, uh, Tim, uh, or whistle, go and eat something. Um, That's an interesting circuit, and it was, Marshall had said on the programme last week how he found it odd to see Indy cars in road car bodywork driving around the speedway and in the pit lane at the speedway. He thought it was quite an interesting race. Wasn't wheel-to-wheel banging and terribly competitive, but I did think it was an interesting race, and uh, once again, you know... Great race at the front of the field, and Graham Real getting good points again. Yeah, and he was the star of the show for me because he is the only one that's been able to make that Honda package work. Two races in a row. Yeah. And two but second not just places best in Honda a row. right up at the sharp oh, end yeah. of the field. Yeah. Yeah, and he was a little bit of luck. He could have won that thing. Mm. It would have taken some luck, but he, he would have won that thing. Today, the fastest so far is Simon Pagano in a, in a Chevy at 227.4. But then there's Marco Andretti in a Honda at 227.32. Well, what do you think they're going to... They, is that going to be what they qualify at, 227.230 or something like that? It'll depend on the weather. Yeah. Um, and you, you don't know... I saw a tweet earlier that Scott Dixon turned in the fastest no-toe time of the day at 226. So that's also... You don't know if these times... Mm-hmm. Or unless you're there, you don't know if these times are with a toe or if they're out there on their own. The tweet I saw was that Scott was out there on his own. So And said, that, was, that was from Marshall, I believe. said this to MP last week, actually, that I really like this idea of doing the road circuit race to kick off... You know, to bring Indy back into people's consciousness because it had been drifting away. The month of May was not the event that it was. the race itself. You know, still the big thing, but the rest of it had kind of been drifting away. Having the race on Saturday night kind of focuses you back in and think, oh, I must watch that today. And we've been watching the time and mm-hmm. we're, we've been watching things. That that's actually a shrewd move, I think, by IndyCar. I think so too. The uh, the president of the Speedway, this was kind of his brainchild, and it has worked pretty well getting them the cop- tro- proper, as you say, kind of uh, ink and state of consciousness for people to to come in and get aware that it is the month of May and it's the month of Indy and and that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, that you could have shot a cannonball off in the place over the weekend and you did not hit anybody. I mean, they still haven't gotten 
the the marketing oomph and, and that sort of stuff. And part of the reason that the qualifying and that sort of stuff dropped off over the over the years of the IRL was because you didn't have during the day the heydays of cart most of the qualifying weekend tickets were corporate tickets that were they basically papered the house mm-hmm. because it was so difficult then to get tickets for the 500 because they were selling the 500 out year after year after year. This was the one time that the corporate folks who were sponsoring all the cart cars and were sponsoring AJ and the, and the IRL loyalists before the split, that was the one time they could get their clients to the event so they would take them to qualifying days, and that's why you would get 100,000 people for qualifying, not because it was all that interesting, because mm-hmm. the fields were starting to... To come down where you would only get one or two guys getting bumped on bump day and, and things of that nature. So um, I think I agree with you. Uh, when this was done last year, there were a lot of people in the United States that did, oh, sacrilege to race on the road course in the month of May. Hey, you got to try something. Mm. And I thought that this was as good an idea. The, the guys are all going to be there. So from the perspective of the teams, an, an extra weekend there, yeah, you've got the cost of running. But you've lumped it in with the cost of travel and and everything else. So from that standpoint, I agree with you. I thought it was a great idea, mm. and and I hope that it succeeds long term. Yeah, uh, it's Jim Roller talking to us uh, here at the Nurburgring, our live and exclusive coverage uh, of the Zurich ADSE 24 Hours of the Nurburgring starts uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, in terms of uh, the the live coverage of practice and qualifying. Of course, we'll have the whole race live here uh, at the weekend with some guests, some special guests and some surprise voices uh, as well. Uh, Jim, thank you for the moment. I want to bring uh, Graham Goodwin in on a US story before uh, we go back to uh, the UK and to Tim in Mission Control there. Something that Marshall was talking about last week uh, about the potential uh, issues around the corner for uh, Le Mans GT in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship BMW we know set to leave at the end of the season and now um, as Marshall mentioned last week he put it out there and we're beginning to hear confirmations now that Falcon Tyres will end their relationship as a sponsor with uh, Derek Walker's team the Porsche team now you know, losing a tyre manufacturer is one thing, but losing a title sponsor is, is quite something else. I know that Derek's talking to other uh, potential sponsors, including Toyo, um, but this news that we broke last week exclusively here on Midweek Motorsport with Marshall Prout of Racer.com beginning to look more and more like it's it's coming to a fruition sooner rather than later, or not fruition, that's the wrong type, but uh, coming to pass sooner rather than later. And that would be a massive shame because it's an iconic image isn't it the falcon livery and we talk about it here where there's Absolutely. a drift show we saw an e30 coming in e30 bmw yep. coming in just when we were walking back to the track tonight and that turquoise and aqua color scheme is absolutely the GT, the Gran Turismo generation. It belongs here at the Nurburgring. And they had seemed to have turned a corner in, in their tyre supply to the GT Le Mans cars. Uh, to the extent that there, there, there were questions out there as to whether or not you might even see an expansion in that programme. But I think there, there is a question beyond this now, John. It's pretty clear that that's a, a programme that's in uh, a fair degree of potentially terminal trouble. And the question now arises directly to IMSA, 
what's your plan B? Mm. Because actually with BMW moving away, with Falcon now looking like they're moving away, you're now getting down to worryingly small levels. And yes, we can start looking and see, uh, seeing and questioning what's going to happen with Ford, but there are no guarantees yet there yet, certainly in the public domain, about what that program might actually bring. And, you know, I think it's certainly time for those that are, have got the opportunity to ask the questions closer to the powers that be at IMSA, watch what is your you know your your next plan for GT racing? We know about GT3 coming, but that's not the factory formula. What's next? But there is a danger, is there not? Because the factory money comes into IMSA from GTE original equipment manufacturers Correct. OEMs, uh, and with BMW gone, okay, they might fill part of that gap with a works in inverted commas GT3 team, um, with Ferrari not contributing because they they aren't a works team, with Aston Martin not being a full-time entrant. Or indeed an entrant at all, potentially for the rest of the season. Um, with uh, Falcon disappearing, Porsche obviously still have the two core cars. One has to look at that and wonder that if they don't get some success soon, where that might go. So you're left with Corvette racing themselves again. We could be down to literally four or five cars again in, in LMGTE in the States and not the amount of marketing dollars coming in to make that to make that part of the the, the, the racing viable? Is, is there a question mark over the whole category? Hence the very serious questions need to be asked about where they see this going. Do I think it's as bad as Corvette racing Corvette? No, not immediately. But you know what? The lessons of history need to be learned here. And we, we were in that position for too long a time with the end of GT1, as was. And we don't want to be there again, do we? That There are signs of good decisions being made at IMSA in terms of the future form and function of the, of the championship, it needs to include a real vision, a real push behind what can happen with GTE. And I should say that Falcon's decision to cut back in Trade United Sports Cars in IMSA um, is not specific to that form of racing. They've cut back their sponsorships in, in Formula Drift, Certain in the states, certainly that is. They're still a tyre supplier there, but they're not sponsoring. They may well remain as a tyre supplier in Tudor United Sports Car possible. Championship. Possible, <laughs> distinctly possible. But there you go. It, it, it is. It's one of these things. Is, look, we could we could paint a picture as being very bleak, and you know, if we join the dots, if you've just just done there, John, then there is a pretty bleak picture there. Hence the reason why now is the time for Emsa to come out punching and say no it's not the way it appears this is what's going on this is our vision for next year the year after jim roller you also have to be careful of an internal culture war amongst the alms side of the merger and the grand am side of the merger i know that that's all kind of mellow that we're we're into year two it's a lot more mellow than it was, I think. Well, no, I, and I, I don't. I, I, in, in saying that, I'm, I'm painting a picture that I that I don't mean to paint because there is nothing there anymore. It's still it is one entity, but there is still the cultural history. Yeah. That the folks who you know the Mark Raffoffs of the world. If you're sitting, if if you've got the technical group sitting around the table, and you've got Scott, and you've got a Mark Raffoff, and you've got Jim France putting his two cents in, he owns it. You, you've got some cultural differences there that are historic and are opinions that have a long-held belief. Long-held, yeah. And, and that, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, and you've got 
one group of people who are used to having manufacturers and like having manufacturers, and you have another group of people who were successful for years without manufacturers and pretty much in their culture have had, you know, have a sour taste in their mouth because mm-hmm. manufacturers coming and going. So and that you, happens. you've got to be careful. Yeah. That does happen. There's exactly. no doubt that that is, is true. The thing that brings everybody together is everybody likes manufacturing money. Graham, right. thought from you? Exactly. Uh, well, yeah, they do. And I think what I'd caution against is being, being, um, being seduced, if you like, down the GT3 routes where <laughs> potentially you get uh, Pro-Am squads with a potential legion of GT3 cars coming to the series next year, that's not going to replace the really important part of this, which is exactly what you said, John, which is what activates the championship. Mm, Absolutely. Um, Stay with us, Graham. We'll have more from you in a moment. We've got some Le Mans news, some big Le Mans news on entries and uh, an announcement uh, as well. But, Tim, you want to take us uh, in another direction. What do you have for us? Imagine you were running a championship uh, where one of your star drivers mm-hmm. uh, suddenly became ineligible uh, to win the title. Right. right. What would you do? Change, change the, the rules. rules. you change the rules, <laughs> of course. Uh, and that's exactly what's happened. Well, which championship are we talking about? This is the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series Championship. No way. Kyle Busch will remain eligible to compete for the 2015 NASCAR Sprint Cup Series Championship. He'll qualify for the chase for the NASCAR Sprint Cup by meeting all the requirements of eligibility, except for Rule 17.6.2.1a. Which is, he hasn't won a race? No, you have to start every round. Ah, yes, and he can't have because he was uh, sanctioned. Suspended. Yeah. Right. Hmm... Uh, Steve O'Donnell, NASCAR Executive Vice President and Chief Racing Development Officer, said, On behalf of everyone at NASCAR, it's great to have Carl Busch back racing. Our decision to grant Carl a waiver that allows him to continue running for a championship is one we discussed extensively. The spirit of the rule was never designed to punish drivers who are unable to compete due to extenuating circumstances, such as recovering from an accident. Or being, or being excluded. Mm. Yeah, all right, all right, yeah, I, I see that. You know what? I, yeah, all right. I see that, and he's probably right. They never did expect uh, that rule uh, to have the consequences. It's the law of unintended consequences. They've been honest about it. You know, it's not like they've sneaked him in through the back door. But okay, it is. It is a bit funny. Uh, where are we going to see crocodiles in? Uh, well, our autumn, but someone else's spring. Well, Australia, I see him. No. Following a safety car somewhere. No. Um, crocodiles, crocodiles. In the Southern Hemisphere. Brazil. It will be in the Southern Hemisphere. Kyle Army. Kyle Army. Crocodiles at Kyle Army? Yes, Turn 13 is going to be reprofiled and named the Crocodiles. Really? They're resurfacing it and making it into a grade 2 It's part of an upgrade package which involved the track closing for the winter yesterday. For their winter, yeah. Yes. Uh, it will reopen in October. I like Kyle Army. I went there to watch some Audi testing many years ago. Um, in 2000, in fact. The last time I had a holiday and without any... Masters. No, I didn't go there for that. I commentated on it. I did it live, but I, I didn't uh, I didn't go there for that. Um, I, that. I was going to say that was my last holiday without any motorsport involved in it, but obviously that... Have you, you went said, to Kyle Army. Exactly, I went to Kyle Army in 2000. <laughs> Um, so my last holiday without any motorsports in it was when I went skiing with 
the guys from RML. Does that count as not no. having motorsport in it? No. All right. So, what I motorsport can't did you have on your trip with Martin Haven to Goa? Martin Haven. That, uh, yeah, that was probably it then. So that would be ninety-eight or ninety-nine. There we go. You see, uh, you were stuck in Martin Haven, which is a fate worse than motorsport. But yeah. <laughs> actually, it was very, very good fun. We did have uh, we did have moped races, scooter races. So yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It is coming on to ten minutes to nine in the UK, just after quarter to actually getting on towards ten two. Uh, and uh, up in London, it's Tim Gray and we've got Nick Damon. Uh, we'll have uh, Paul Truswell. And Graham Goodwin back in just a few moments or two to talk about uh, Le Mans. Um, but, but first, first, but first, uh, Formula One's not the only uh, midweek testing that's been going on this week, is it, Nick? Oh, you've thrown him a curveball. <laughs> Go on then. Because MotoGP has been at Muggalo. Muggalo. No, oh, no, what a great no, name, no, Muggalo. No, MotoGP hasn't been there. Ducati's been there. So not everybody, Nick? No, because they were allowed... Because everyone had a test after the last race, at wherever it was, Jerez, and they didn't do the test. They were allowed to do their own couple of days on their own, and they've managed to injure one of their drivers. Riders, sorry. And that would be Andre Iannone. Andre Iannone. Now, I, I must admit, I, I read this uh, specifically because it said he dislocated his shoulder, and, and I am a sufferer of that uh, unpleasant condition. And he said he fell off his bike, and they thought it was bruising, and then found out it was dislocated later. Thinking, if you've dislocated your shoulder, you know it's not bruising, because it doesn't move anymore. No. I dislocated a shoulder, and it's not nice. I high-sided me Suzuki and dislocated a shoulder. Me, me 11-day-old Suzuki uh, and dislocated a shoulder. Did you take it back to uh, the showroom and say, this has got a scratch on it? <laughs> there was a bit more than that, if I'm honest. Back in three bin bags. So, uh, you're only out of the next round of MotoGP, but who's back? Danny's back! To be stunning. The Mm. After his massive arm pump, Nick, Nick Damon talking in the style of PK there. It is, uh, oh, thank you. I, I, given the fact that PK is now doing international tennis as well, he's he's is he's he? the one around here with the career. Oh, he is. Oh dear. Anyway, one day, one day on. a woman will tame him, and that'll be it. Right, move on. Uh, there was uh, motorcycle action, of course, at the weekend. It was World Superbikes. Uh, World Supri bikes and it's not. It's actually just aren't the Brits good at this bikes? Not quite the uh, complete rollover of the Empire Strikes Back that we've seen in the early part of the season, and neither was it quite the races that I'd hoped for at the very lovely Imola, which is pretty. Very, with and the it, was, it, it was in it was Italy's international willow fluff. Dear, mm. uh, at the uh, Dino Enzo Ferrari circuit at uh, Imola. Autodromo. Autodromo, excuse me. Of. Yes. And it's, a, it's a good point you make, cause John, because for the first six races of the season, three round six races, it was only Brits on the podium. And then those Johnny foreigners managed to come third <laughs> in all the last four races. But still, every single first and second in the ten rounds has been by a Brit. The first four in the championship are Brits and Johnny Ray after 10 races has won eight and comes second in two so unsurprisingly he's massively ahead Kawasaki looked very very strong again at the weekend did it not you know it's it's a a force reckon with me I think 
there is a question to be had. As I, my ever-asking question is, why are we so good at this, and we as in Britain, but not quite so good at the real MotoGP? And I think it's because basically all, all the good Spaniards and all the good Italians don't do this. They go off and do MotoGP. Directly in the motor. But we've also got a very strong British Superbike Championship again now, which is something yes. I was catching up on last week as well. there is British. Second yep. in that championship is British. Third which is... That, uh, Championship is colonial. Fourth in that championship <laughs> is British. Fifth in that championship is British. Which you is have not to go always all the way down to uh, Ryuichi Kinari in eighth to find a if former champion uh, team. It's not always been a former four-time yes, champion or exactly. three-time champion. And it's not always been the case that local, you know, um, British riders have have done well. It's a good-looking field. They're racing on the same spec uh, bikes uh, as. World Superbikes, it, it has relevance again, and rather like the British GT Championship, it's somewhere that people want to race. They have a they have a good calendar around good circuits for bikes. Uh, the Alton Park races were absolutely fabulous over the bank holiday uh, weekend, and uh, Nick and I watched a bit of World Superbikes before we uh, went out for a ride on our machines. In fact, uh, on yeah. on Sunday, surprisingly, over to Ben Devlin's pub yeah. at it's the Oxen Plough. Yeah. Very exciting yet interesting route there, John. Yes, <laughs> slightly more slightly more circuitous than I perhaps had uh, had decided it, it should be. Um, <laughs> but just go just going back to the, the super bikes at Imola. Imola is still a great track for bikes, even though we didn't get the racing I'd hoped for at the weekend. It just looks brilliant, and different and different uh, camera angles than you get with the cars as well, which I thought showed it off really well. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, I'm not sure whether they aren't actually the angle. I'd be interested to see this weekend whether whether they use point. they go back to the traditional old F1 angles or stick with those ones. I would guess that that is a way of getting around the track with less cameras. So it might be they'll use that one for him, but those routes for him as well, for the uh, ELMS as well. And of course, World Super Bikes are in Donington. Donington mm. in ten days' time. And we're off. Do you want to go? Uh, I don't know what I'm doing actually. Well, if you're not working, uh, let me know. And we'll oh, have it's a... bank holiday, isn't it? Yeah, we'll have a toodle up if you want, or if you're not doing mm-hmm. RC. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 10, Episode 20. And it's time it's... for an announcement. Is it? Yes. Uh, is this the... Have I got to make this announcement? Is the responsible adult there? Uh, no, we, the, the responsible adult is being responsible elsewhere. Um, the, uh, uh, let's talk them on. Uh, and uh, let's first of all, before we get onto the entry list, talk uh, about some very good news for all of you listening. Because uh, delighted to announce that once again for 2015, as in 2014, it will be Mobile One Radio Le Mans at the circuit and uh, around the world. Uh, starting off with exclusive full live coverage from test day. Uh, and then, of course, on site from race week, bringing you the highlights from the scrutineering checks down in the town centre, uh, as well as every single moment that the cars are on track for the 24 hours, uh, as well as some of the uh, support race action on Saturday. Uh, we will be on FM at the circuit. I think we've just been told it's back on 91.2 FM. I'll wait to be told uh, otherwise, but if, uh, if there's any change in frequency, we'll let you know. Thank you to the French Radio Authority for that. So once again, it's Mobile One, Radio Le Mans, back in action for the world's greatest motor race. Uh, through that full race week, uh, either at the track on XM Sirius or, of course, around the world on RadioLamont.com. And Graham Goodwin has rejoined me, along with Paul Truswell, because uh, on the back of that announcement, we have now got, Graham, a, uh, uh, an entry list that is full, c- complete. 
It is, and I think the first thing to say, John, in response to what happened last year is it's been remarkably stable this yes, year. We've only very lost good. one car yep. from the initial entry. That was the second of the Sarbaran cars that dropped out uh, some little while ago alone, the Viper in. Um, We've only got about four minutes to discuss this, so let's start with the good news. Kaz Nakajima is back on the list because of superglue. Superglue, he's had his back superglued. I think that's all we need to say. He's said and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm actually only half yeah, joking there. No, 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 it's no more nails, and uh, <laughs> and he's fine. Uh, so, at least we believe so. Certainly at the moment, Kaz is on the list. Uh, also, we've got to talk, talk about Nissan, some ridiculous speculation and rumour going about what Nissan will or won't be doing. Well, two things to say about Nissan. Number one is confirm three cars. Uh, confirmed, by the way, they will run with hybrid power, and indeed with the only silver-ranked driver in LMP1, who is Paul Druswell. Uh, Mark Chulsitsky, uh, who, replaces... who is replacing Mark Genet, who is kind of the eternal comer-and-goer in Le Mans, having started off in one car last year and finished up in another car. That's right. He's now not in one car, so I've no doubt he that be a actually car. he will be in something, because something will happen that we don't expect, and Mark Genet will be in it. Away from P1, P2 was pretty much sorted. As expected, yeah. So everything we're happy about there. There was a couple of question marks in the GT categories about drives to be filled. Uh, yeah, but we, we knew Giancarlo Fisichella would be in the 51. We more or less knew that Olivier uh, Beretta would be in the 71 Ferraris. We know now that it's uh, Ricard Leitz, Michael Christensen, uh, Jörg Bergmeister in the 91 Porsche, Patrick Pile, Fred Mako and Paul Fensler in the 92 car. Um, it's, it's as we expected it to be. Couple of changes though in GTM to reports. Uh, we've got a couple of additional drivers. Uh, we already knew, Paul, that the, uh, the the final squad for the 53 uh, Riley Motorsports Viper is uh, Ben Keating joining uh, Jerome Blakemolen and Mark Miller. Mm. Uh, then beyond that, announced on the at uh, this show, of course. Indeed. Uh, then Scuderia Corsa have uh, announced a third driver to to, to join Bill Sweetler and Townsend Bell, and that is Paul. in the shape of Jeffrey Siegel. Excellent, Jeff Siegel. Mm. Uh, obviously a part-time entrant last year for the WEC, John, which is good news there. The the team that is complete now, and was one of the ones that a lot of naysayers saying would not be there at all, is actually, Paul? Uh, team AAI, and we're looking forward to them because they've got lots of unpronounceable drivers, um, including Alex Capadia. Uh, Alex Capadia, who is in the, the older of the two cars, 997 RSR, but Alex has been working really, really hard for that deal. He's got it. Uh, he'll be with John San Shen and with Xavier Masson. In the newer car, uh, John, it's going to be uh, Han Chen Chen, uh, known no as Morris. No, uh, Gilles Vanillet. Mm. Uh, is Gilles Vanillet his first time at Le Mans? I, I, I meant to check. and I'm, I, If he has yes, done it, it he's not doing it. It is, yeah. Mm. Uh, it, I did think it was. And also Mike Parisi. That's quite a good squad. Mm, that's, that's very good. That's pretty good stuff. With regards to Alex Capadia, Capadia um, he, I think this is a smart move from him. I have a suspicion he was in well in the hunt for a couple of other drives at Le Mans, but his lack of experience at Le Mans probably stood against him. He gets a drive here in a car that might not be the fastest in the field, but he's got a good chance of getting some experience. Absolutely. And I've got a feeling we might see him popping up somewhere a little bit different later in the season. Really good. I mean, anybody good that's been anywhere near the, the web will know that uh, he's got a very, very popular webpage. It's Wikipedia. And, very uh, good. And very uh, we'll keep good. an eye on what Alex does this, what they, 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 this year there. Um, not much more to say, really. There who's is... going to win? Who's going to win? Somebody. I mean, that's the big no. question. Somebody will know. win. No, nobody will win. I don't As know. you said that the other night, nobody's going to win. Worth briefly saying, by the way, Nissan have been doing their pre-Le Mans um, briefings uh, this week. 
it's fair to say downplaying chances of success at the Le Mans 24 hours. Well, we'd, we'd already said that. That's fine. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with... This is with... an extended test session. Look, let's have fun. However, they have confirmed that there will be a high downforce package for Le Mans on, from post Le Mans onwards. Uh, that's been signed off and talking a good fight in terms of what we might see at Fuji. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much to Jim Roller and to Joe Bradley. Um... Paul is going to stay around for a little while. Nick is going to stay around in London. But, Tim, what you, you're going to send us off on an errand now, aren't you? Yes, because uh, you're at the Nürburgring. Uh, yes. We haven't done a preview to the Nürburgring 24 True. hours. True, Uh So if you can take the uh, radio mic and right. head down to the pit lane. All right. Uh, off I we want go, you then. to wander up and down. Take Graham with you. <laughs> to, all right, are you ready to, uh, to do as, that? As oh, go on. In the guise yeah. of an expert. <laughs> if I, if <laughs> I must. It's quite dark outside, although most people are still working, in fairness. All the all lights right. are on in the carriages, I'm sure. Yes, no, that's, that is absolutely true. All right, so and what are you going to do in the meantime? Flooding onto... Uh, onto the track and in the meantime I can do this Midweek Motorsport and if you spend the first part of the show counting you should be up to 3,600 by now So one hour gone and uh, one hour remaining in this week's Midweek Motorsport uh, This is Tim Gray with you from London and John Heintoff and Graham Goodwin uh, will be rejoining us in just a moment from the Nürburgring for a preview to the Nürburgring 24 hours uh, just wait for them to get down the stairs into the pit lane from uh, our studio in the Aston Martin lounge at the moment Nick Damon is still here he'll be uh, back at the end of the show for pointless press release of the week um, and don't forget that at 10 o'clock tonight we've got a special inside talking about the Glickenhaus project uh, and that's all still to come on tonight's Midweek Motorsport. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. And I'm not very good at that either, am I? Uh, John, have you reached the pit lane yet? Nearly, Tim. Nearly. That was normally at a minute as we were coming down from the... Uh, Aston Martin Lounge, we're going to nip into... How do we get into the pit lane? We'll have to push through one of these pit boxes down here. And there's still a surprisingly large amount of people around at this time of night. As we go by the two Porsche GT Americas, we're at pit out. So let's see if we can uh, squeeze through. Yes, we can. Squeeze through into the pit lane from here and make this work. Graham Goodwin is... uh, following me as we get out into the pit lane right Graham still uh, plenty of people about doing work in preparation for Thursday but here we are at uh, pit out or if you prefer pit box 33 with a mere six cars uh, in this box uh, Mercedes-Benz from Black Falcon there two three four Porsches including uh, a Porsche Cayman Black Falcon you can never count these guys out uh, no uh, we, we saw from the very start the, the, the coverage that Radio Le Mans gave to this race John just what spectacular levels of prep go into these cars they look fantastic they came in out the back at the moment I think maybe if not the uh, new GT4 certainly very close to it but again spotlessly done white cars this year with the exception of the Mercedes with a kind of broad well yellowy gold stripe I think I'd call that should look spectacular under the lights uh, when we get into nighttime running. Uh, but you can't count these guys out in particular. 
in the you know the lead SP9 class with their two Mercedes Benz. And just a reminder again for everybody that the SP9 is GT3. Um, Abdulaziz Al Faisal, Hubert Haupt, Yelma Berman, and Jupp van Lagen, who just drafted back into Lada's World Touring Car Championship. So he'll be doing double duty uh, this weekend. And in the that's in the five car and the two car, Yelma Berman again, Andreas Christensen, uh, Andreas Simonson. Uh, Adam Christodoulou and Bern Schneider, that is a strong, strong car. No weak links there. These guys are going to be right up there throughout. The cars will look great. They'll go well. The SLS goes extremely well out here. Thanks for chucking off the compressor for a moment for us. goes extremely well around here. Almost designed for this circuit. Now, is that the new car? That's not the new no, AMG. No. no, what we're going to see this weekend here, we believe, uh, on show, is the brand new Porsche 911 GT3R will be revealed on Friday. We think that might have a direct injection engine. Uh, so that's their, in effect, their late 2015, uh, early 2016 weapon uh, to replace the current car. A lot of people thought that wouldn't uh, see public viewing until Daytona and the Raw before, but that's going to be with customers round about September, October, I'm here. Uh, certainly we think they, it may be that the, um, that the Porsche debuts in race trim at Daytona, but we'll see it this year. So it will be out testing, most, most notably here, it already has been. Uh, we're also going to see, we believe, the AMG, the new AMG GT, the replacement for the SLS uh, here this weekend. That car, I think, will make its debut in the VLN this year. Uh, and we will see some uh, uh, Audis, which are further up the pit lane we, as well. We will. The, the interesting thing about the Mercedes-Benz project, though, is that whilst we've got this brand new car coming for late this year and into customer hands in 2016, still around a dozen cars in production for the current SLS at mm. AMG. So clearly that car is still proving to be a very popular customer proposition. Why wouldn't you, Graham? You know the car. And yeah. if you've already got one and you're adding another one or you're freshening up a car that you've already got, why make the jump to the new car when you've already got all the spares from the old, for the older version? You sell on the old car, which still has a, a value. You get a brand new build. It's a fresh chassis. You do, and the, you know we had what 11, 12 of those of those cars, the SLSs at uh, Dubai, twenty four hours this year. And with the the burgeoning fortunes at the moment of the Gravante, the twenty four hour series. Well, certainly, I think they're going to find more customers there still. Interesting that Black Falcon have got a garage effectively to themselves. It's the last one before pit out, so nobody to get in their way. But they're still going to have to work their their magic between the six cars that's in there. No more more than seven cars in any of the pit boxes this year that's down from a potential of eight in previous years box 32 31 because then it's numbered in from pit in and we're at pit out now are all uh, v sp3 or cup cars including a decent slew of more than a dozen bmw m235i racing cars which were effectively conceived and built originally to race in the vln round here correct it's a it's a one make series there's something i think there's 15 of those cars on the entry this year really yeah i think so there was uh... and pixum here which we're outside uh, box 31 which is pixum they've got uh, a Z4, an E92, uh, an E90, and two BMW 235s. Securtel so, so Zorg Rensport Racing are alongside with almost a full garage there. They've got four cars, in, including a couple of the M235Is. It's been a massive success, that it, series. It is, and I think, you know, this is the thing. It's, it, it's not just about the overall win. That is, of course, what we'll concentrate a lot of our kind of chat and coverage about this weekend, John. But this has always been a massive club series. This is a huge national scene that revolves, of course, around VLN, but this is the showpiece race. It's not part of the VLN, but it 
very much, it's a bit like the Spa 24 Hours used to be for GT3 racing. Mm. Of course, now part of the Blancpain Endurance Series, but it used to be a standalone. And yeah, like Le Mans. Absolutely right. And you know, now what we're seeing is that they're more, they're rolling into the, the championships that they surround. The, not the this one. multitude of, uh, of different classes here. SP7 um, are kind of cup cars, really. And two interesting cars here, which I yeah. wasn't expecting to see, are the two Porsche 991 GT Americas. Now, there's no team up next to that, and the cars aren't here at the moment. But as far as we know, those two cars will run. And I'm not sure if that is potentially the first time that they have run in competition outside of the States. If, well, if they have run in competition outside the States, I've certainly not noticed it. You presume these cars have run in the VLN, otherwise would not be allowed to qualify here. But they are, in effect, a kind of enhanced cup class Porsche yeah. uh, but uh, and very limited edition I think they only built 20, 20 of them 20 of them and uh, you know we you know you and I were party to a kind of conversation in the United States John about the future of those cars when GT3 cars come to the United Sports Car Championship and maybe we'll see more who knows mm. um, this is box 28 which is actually under uh, the lounge 28 our fantastic Vantage point is from Lounge 30, the Aston Martin Lounge, but this is the Aston. Uh, yes, very good. Um, hadn't even thought of that. Just five cars here uh, in the Aston Martin pit, and they've, they've got one to themselves. The six and seven car with Johnny Adam, uh, Richie Stanaway, and Matthias Lauder in the six, Stefan Mucker, Darren Turner, and Pedro Lamy in the seven. The V12, the 48 cars, the test centre in car, Liam Tolbert, Florian Kamelgett. Peter Kate and Wolfgang Schaubauer, as we're expecting to see. We all see Wolfgang here, but he'll take a, a snooze just behind our commentary position. In the 49, Ulrich Betts, Dr. Betts, the man at the head of Aston Martin Lagonda, will be back with Dr. Andreas uh, Benzinger. Uh, Mal Rose is back, and Peter Leemhus is back as well. And in the GT12, the newly renamed GT12, now this is a bit of an interesting one, we'll talk about this. Chris Harris, Shinichi Katsura, uh, Yamushi Kazunori. Uh, and Andreas Gulden. Now, GT12, this takes a bit of explaining because it, originally this this is very much a, a road-going car that has been influenced stylistically um, and a little bit of tuning by the GT3 race car, but they couldn't call it a GT3 because, on a street car. Because Porsche didn't let them, uh, right. because Porsche owned the GT3 moniker for, for, for road car usage. So I guess the easiest way to explain it is it's a... It started out as a race car, the GT3 V12 Vantage that we can see here, the 007 car running in Bilstein livery. Um, they've then transferred that to a kind of track-based road car, which yeah. is the G- was the GT3 Special Edition, and now what we've got is a race version of that car. Yeah. So it's a race car, turned to a road car, turned back to a race car. A race car, it, but the thing is here, I mean, it's running in SPA because of its engine yes. size, um, but, yeah... That is not that dissimilar to what you would buy and then be able to run on the street. The two GT3 cars are full house GT3 cars. Now, not this one. <laughs> well, this is another dif- different V12 engine Aston Martin. We've actually got four different sorts of Aston Martin yes. running here this weekend. So the other car, the 007 here in the yellow and blue from a f- very familiar Bilstein livery, oddly enough, the other GT3 car is actually running in the livery we saw the GT3 road car edition released yeah. in the white with the orange trim which is yeah. a very pretty car indeed yeah. and that's sitting just further at the back there with the orange oh no that's that the 50 that's the GT12 yes you say that's confused me <laughs> as well so what's the other yellow and blue one that's the 48 that's the GT4 car and that's a V12 as well the 48 which is the Castrol Edge car that's a V8 sorry the 14 
The 49 is a yeah. V8, yes. The 48, the, 48, the Castrol Edge car, is the, is the V12. In all carbon livery and looking utterly, completely fantastic. So that's an SP8 then. So why is that not a GT3 category car? I think the answer... Smaller is, rear wing. I think the answer is that that car, the one we're looking at the front here, the 48, if I'm not very much mistaken, is the car that we saw run as a production-based V12 Vantage right. a couple of right. years ago. Okay. It's now been rebodied. Okay, the 007, however, listed as 7, and the 6, they are full-house GT3 cars with a big ra- wide... Racing for the win. Uh, and they are racing in the Absolutely. top class in, in SP9. Now, I've driven one of those now, albeit very briefly. It is a, I, I can't even begin to think about driving one of those cars around here, albeit with the electronic aids, etc. Uh, but they are... I mean, they came, Aston first came here when? That would have been 2005 or 2006, I think the year before we first covered it in 07. And so this. In the production based cars. And what we've seen since then is that the team have dipped in and dipped out with GT3 cars at times very seriously, at times maybe less so. But no doubt now. We're actually getting to the stage where the ramping up became pretty close, John, to there being three GT3 Aston Martins this year. Didn't quite make that, but they are going for the win. Make no mistake about it. And and they have got works drivers in them, as we as we actually I didn't mention the uh, the other set of drivers, did I? Um, and and that is uh, in that car in the seven car, Stefan Muck, Darren Turner, and Pedro Lamy. So they are, you know guys that anybody would recognise from GTE exploits all over the world. Well, Pedro, if he wins, of course, will become a record winner here. Good point. Uh, so, Pedro Lamy here with an opportunity to actually take, uh, was his fifth win? Was it his fifth? Sixth, I think. Good grief. We'll have but, to uh, check that one out. Uh, we've come up to box number 27 now, which only has four entrants on it. So, this is, I mean, this is going to be spacious. Uh, the main contender here is in the GT3 category, SP9. And this is the Car Collection Motorsport. Now, again, these are guys that we know well from Creventic Racing and from other GT3 races that Radio Le Mans have covered around the world. Uh, it's Peter Schmidt, Alexander Machel and Pierre Eret in a very, very striking uh, yellow, green and white number 31 um, SLS Mercedes-Benz. Spoke to Pierre about the car earlier. He said, whatever you do, please don't call it Brazilian colours. So, in the Brazilian coloured Mercedes-Benz... <laughs> but it is. It's, it's very yellow and it's very green and very Brazil or Norwich City. Well, Norwich City, wouldn't call it Norwich City then? Uh, probably best call it Brazil. OK, that seems reasonable. I, I mean, all what well, seems to me with over 30 GT3 cars, that pretty much any of those cars have really got a chance. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, certainly you'd expect with the driver squad you've got in the car we're just talking about now, which is very much more of gentleman-based, that is you're looking there to keep on the tail of the GT3, the SP9 uh, train, and that train is something like 32 or 33 cars long this year. Right, couple of interesting entries next door. The two Hyundais, or two of Hyundais here, with the i30 Coupe here, uh, and this is Hyundai Motor Deutschland, this is the effectively a work-supported team, uh, and the Hyundai Veloster. Uh, we've seen I don't think we've seen the i30 Coupe here no, before, but we've seen... The, the i30 Coupe is new this year, the yeah. Veloster we've seen, I think, for two years now. Yeah. In with an interesting array of Porsches from Montai Racing and Wockenspiegel team Montai, kings of the ring, still. Absolutely, and you cannot count these guys out. Whether or not these are guys that you know the names of, uh, outside of you know, uh, ring racing, the reality is that they will not field an uncompetitive team and an uncompetitive car. Well, they've got three different versions of Porsches here. In the SP Pro category, they have a 911 GT3 RSR. Well, that's a GTE car. Yeah. 
Okay, so that can race for the overall victory. Correct. Um, it will be on a pace or maybe even quicker than uh, the SP9 GT3 car, which is sitting next to it, which is the 12 car, very much in Swiss colours. The SBM Swiss Bar, Swiss Bar JG Hop Suisse, very, and another very striking colour scheme with the Mobile One uh, logo proudly on the rear wheel arches. Now, this is the older version of a GT3-ish Porsche. This is the car that's going to be replaced at the end of this year as the as the customer offering by the car we'll see revealed on Friday. Uh, the interesting thing about both of these cars is whilst they, they do have an element of gentleman driver about it, ring specialist about it, both feature a full works uh, factory driver, a Porsche mm. factory driver. And the car we're talking about at the moment, the 12 car, we'll see Fred Makovecki, uh, about to be revealed as the reserve driver for Porsche LMP1 at Le Mans, we believe. Mm-hmm. And in the number 10 car, it's Ricard Leitz. Mm. Uh, both these guys, just top notch. So they, this car will go extraordinarily quickly, certainly for periods during this race, and will be certainly capable of keeping with that pack. And Olaf Mantai knows this place like the back of his hands, blindfolded with gloves Literally, on. Literally, he's looking, he's got, it, he's got it tattooed on the back of his hand. Watch out for the strategy here because they're known better than anyone else. The third version of Porsche that Monte are racing is an SP7 car, which is a GT3 Cup car, so a Carrera Cup car. MR, which means it's got a few Manti racing add-ons to it. Now, I'm going to have to check that, but I want to check the chassis of all of these cars because I'm wondering if... Certainly the 12 car hasn't had some success here before. Uh, well, it all surprised me. I mean, more or less everything that Monti actually rolls out the garage has had success here. I mean, the, the interesting thing about the way that these guys prep for uh, the VLN races, at the end of the race, any car that's, wor- that's capable of moving goes behind a car with a flashing orange light and is driven back down the public road, back down mm-hmm. to Monti's workshop. And, uh, you know, th- Which is are- literally a mile and a half away on the road that, that's adjacent to the Dottiger Hall yeah. on, a, on the fabulously named Gottlieb Daimlerstrasse. Next door, another two Porsche GT3 Cup MR, standing for Manti Racing. The 91 and the 92 cars. Works numbers, but with very much more of a gentleman driver look to them. Apart from the second car, if you look at the name that's uh, above the one that's been taped out, and that's one Michael Christensen, another Ooh. Porsche works driver and a coming man for the Porsche team. Uh, served double duty last time out in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship when we had the triple uh, programme weekend for Porsche. Uh, certainly... T- to my mind, John, he, this is a man that I think they've got their eyes on for being a future real superstar. And just to show the kind of variety that we have, there's an Opel Astra OPC Cup car in the Cup 1 category and an SP3T, an Audi 2-litre turbo, the 116 car that are, uh, s- that are sharing there. And look at the names uh, on that garage because that is one Volker Strychek. Formerly the man at the head of OPC, the Opel Performance cent- uh, Centre. With Robin Strychek. His son. Uh, Marcus Ostrich. And Moritz Ostrich, I think that's two fathers and sons. Yeah. Now, does that mean that Volker Strychek hasn't got the Manta here? I've not seen the Manta. I've not seen the Manta on the entry this year. That would be a massive, massive change if that was the case. The old 1980s with the foxtail uh, on it. Coming up through to box number 24, BMW holding sway here with a, uh, an SP2T Mini, a Z4 in V5, a 325i in V4, long, uh, in fact two cars uh, in that, all similarly coloured in black and royal blue or a mid blue, but the 21 car in there 
is the is one of the Schulze Motorsport entries. This is the Nissan GTR Nismo GT3 running in the top category, category with Tobias Schulze and Michael Schulze again, family connection there, Mark Gassner and Jordan Tresson. Well, Mark Gassner is the, I think it was last year's German uh, GT Academy winner, is racing with uh, the Nissan GTR in the ADAC GT Masters and I think won the class first time out in that car with MRS GT. Jordan Tresson is an ex-GT Academy graduate, no longer racing for Nissan in the in the factory uh, team, but uh, races regularly for, for Schultze here. Was he the second winner? I think he was. Uh, he, was certainly did, he did the... After um, Lucas Ordonez, it was Jordan, wasn't it? Yeah, he did the... He raced with Signatech in LMP2 for a season, and whatever happened there uh, was dropped from that squad, mm. uh, but has re-emerged now as a bit of a VLN specialist and races regularly with Schultze. You listen to a midweek motorsport special. Graham Goodwin and John Hindoff in the pit lane in a still very pleasant uh, Nordschleife, or at least Nürburgring, actually, because we are in the Grand Prix pits and we're up to box number 23, which shows again the variety of what we have here. Uh, one, two, three Audis, a couple of Golfs of various uh, vintage and an Opel Astra OPC Cup. And with no disrespect to anybody else, the real. Uh, the, and the, and an Audi R8 LMS Ultra as well. I've just noticed in there with uh, Mark and Dennis Bush. But the Rotec Racing Car, that's an interesting one. Again, these are guys who are very, very experienced here. Have won class, uh, has class victories. This is the uh, Audi TT RS. Tony Holland, Tony Richards, and David Dillinus won't be household names at all. But that is, I suspect, in Class SP40, the 109 car will be a number that we call quite a lot. I think you're right. Lovely looking car, silver with kind of, what was that? Um, Fluorescent green. Yeah, kind yeah, of highlights green. to it. Uh, that's a car. This is a team that's done extraordinarily well here in the past, John. I think from memory, was leading. Was it last year? And the car broke yes. in, the, in the late uh, late hours of the race. But uh, the TTRS. What a great-looking race car. Yeah, and, you know, you see its heritage. Um, next door, a couple of more of the favourites. In with the Pro Sport Performance GmbH, uh, Porsche 997 Cup, Cayman R and Cayman, 60, 79 and 80, uh, which, by the way, has Charles Pussman and Charles Espenlab, for those of you listening in the US uh, this Engelhart. evening, that's, and Christian Engelhart and Brett Sandberg. Yeah. That is going to be a car to watch. This is an SP7. This is a, a Cup class car, 997, so not the latest version of it, the number 60 car. And for those of you listening in the States, it's all names, Engelhardt, Sandberg, Esplanade and Putman that you will recognise. Absolutely right, but without a shadow of a doubt, the two star cars in this garage, though that 60 car is one to watch, are the two 2015 spec, brand new Audi R8s, two of four, as they put the fueling rig together and the lighting rig together here, two of four that we're going to be describing this race, John, and the number one car was Christopher Harzer, Chris, uh, Christian Mamarov, Rennie Rast and Marcus Winkelhock. Uh, well, no weak links there. And the four car with Mark Basseng, Marcel Fesler, Mike Rockenfeld and Frank Stippler. Well, what can you say? Stippler, the current and probably the lap record holder for this iteration uh, of the circuit for some time to come with the uh, obvious changes to the way the race will be run. A remarkable, last October, um, he, well... Go back 12 months, first of all, Graham. We were talking about Kevin Estre's 8 minutes 10 around the almost 16 miles of the Nordschleife and on the Grand Prix circuit, the VLN version of the Grand Prix circuit. And then blow me if in the 250-mile race in October, Frank Stippler didn't take last year's version of the Audi R8 LMS Ultra to a 7.57. Staggering stuff, isn't it? I mean, it's truly heroic stuff around this, this circuit. 
and uh, you know we moved down just one pit garage with the the set there's a central office here in pit lane and the other side of that central office oh hang on a second they're taking that down not putting that up graham they must be uh refettling that that's been up and come down that phoenix racing one Uh, and if they've been told they can't have it uh, I'd have thought unlikely, unless there's something to do with maybe they needed to fit the lights before they did up, put it up, and they forgot to do that. Okay. But, uh, and we've moved up up the pit lane towards pit in. We've started to pit out and working down over WRT, and this is the other in form at the moment. Very much the other uh, 2015 pair of Audi. Uh, R8. So the car's not in the garage at the moment, but you can tell that this is their side of the garage. Why, John? Because there is carpet down on their side of the garage, and Audi Customer Sport Racing uh, set up on. As we look at it from the front, the left-hand side, it's the 28 and 29 car. And, it, and let me just run this through. Christopher Meese, Ed Sandstrom, remember who was a winner in the... Edward Sandstrom in the 24 Hours of Dubai a few years ago for BMW. Who has raced with WRT every year they've raced here since right. 2012. Sandstrom ne- has been a part of the, their crew every year. Nico Muller and Lawrence Van Tour. So there's, again, a lot of experience there in the 29 car. And again, these are in SP9. Nicky Team, uh, Christa Jones... Pierre Kaffer, who I saw going out for a run this morning uh, when I got dropped off early doors. And Lawrence Van Tour is, is named in, in both cars. By the way, um, Jutta Kleinschmidt is also in this gar- garage, former um, Rally Raid star in a most beautiful uh, CMS Wales-sponsored Audi TT, along with Samin Podzis and Wolfgang Müller, the number 112 TT, which looks remarkably stock, actually. In fact, it, has, it hasn't even got the fixed RS rear wing on that. I've just walked in now. It's got the little pop-up rear wing that is fixed in the up position, but Eve's... Eve's street version has got the bigger rear wing on than that. That does, and it's got a passenger seat. Uh, this is the Pro Handicap EV mm. uh, entry, which has traditionally been the uh, the entry that uh, supports handicap races. We've seen the, the Opel Astra Estate in the past caravan, as it's known here. Uh, and it's road registered, that and car. it's road registered. This is going to be a nice story to find out when we can speak to Jutta, I'm sure, at some point, find out a little bit more about this entry, because it does look just gorgeous. BMWs are always well represented here, and between this race and any of the support races, you can probably see any version of BMW that's ever raced. And in box number 20, the team coach racing... Uh, and aesthetic racing teams are together. There is a Porsche 991 in there as well. The 190 with the aesthetic clinic sponsorship on it. Graham's just went in to, to look at the um, chrome blue that's on it. That looks remarkably stock as well. No flared arches, a little bit of a rear spoiler. Obviously, it's got a. It's been slammed, and it is a four-door, but I like the look of that. That's very nice, very nice indeed. And, of course, that, Graham, is the essence of this race. Only 170 or so starters nowadays um, from the 229, as, as I remember, started back in 2007. Box 19, we're back up to the top class uh, and the SP7 class, which is the cup class, along with the race union Teichmann Racing Renault Clio Cup car. But here, Audi Race Experience. Now, these guys are taking it seriously and they've got a couple of rms lm r r8 lms ultras the 14 and the 15 cars easy for you to say they they always show incredibly well here Mm. this is well this is audi customer racing at its most customer you'd sort of think second string but they've shown well up in the top 10 in past years john and what you've got there frankie ching again yeah yeah absolutely marshall lee um you know and uh, alex young as well in, in these, this car. These are guys who've got a lot of time at the wheels of these cars. Why, John? Because these guys all compete 
uh, all year, every year in these cars mm. in the Audi R8 LMS Cup. There's yes, good point. Porsche Cup cars, by the way. They're in line of stone, the Taycan cars in the garage at the moment. Look how beautifully presented those three are. So keep, let's keep an eye out for those. They're going to be. It's, uh, the, the, we're going to need to notice the difference here. One picked out with highlights in yellow, one in orange, one in red. Yeah, that's the 70, 71 uh, and 73 car. No boring white Porsches for Paul Trusswell to rear on about, thanks to the laser cut. Now, there's a garage door down here at 18. Um, this does have uh, the team Premio, uh, Rob Huff, Kenneth Heyer, uh, and uh, Phil from Violet and Christian Kroner car. This is the 33 Mercedes-Benz. That is the start of the garage the top class but the MSC Rone Viedak ADSC car the 77 BMW M3 GTR Michael Hess and Christian Leuthausen have always been good in class and the yellow car that is the yellow car very, yeah very and that is a very highly developed car with very wide wheel arches it does look like a, a slot car on steroids is that right Rob so Rob Huff is not doing double duty now is he is he am I right he's not doing WCCC this weekend I believe he won't be racing for world touring cars and uh, no uh, uh, it's sorry no Rob will be it's Jimmy um, Thompson, who's walked away from, from Alada. Sorry, you confused me there yeah. uh, as well. Uh, up to the, se- the second guy doing double duty, we Correct. should make clear. Correct, yes. Yap van Lagen is his teammate further down the pit lane. Uh, Valgenhorst Motorsport, powered by Dunlop, have two uh, BMW Z4 GT3s here. And another name that is very familiar as I stand here, we've mentioned them a lot. They've got a couple of them. 235 racing cup cars and transit engineering uh, in the V6 class nothing to do with the long wheelbase high top that's a E46 M3 okay again not names that we perhaps might recognise other than Henry Valkenhorst uh, himself um, but Michaela Caruti Christian Boath uh, in there but these guys are going to be there or thereabouts uh, they most certainly are. We've seen the the, the Valkenhorst team uh, racing and leading in the 24-hour series. Mugello, they led. Car then hit problems. Perfectly capable of running in the top 10 here with, with a clean run. And certainly, uh, even against the pros, certainly capable of running in the top 20 long-term through this race. Uh, in box 16, the Subaru WRX STI doing their rain dance out the back. I, I would expect uh, Hideki Yamuchi... Cario Van Damme, Tim Schreck and Marcel Lazier in the STI. Now, this is the Subaru Technica International. That is a factory-entered car. It always has been here. Subaru always come here with the latest bits of tech, give the, uh, give, give the car uh, race running here, have won classes in the past here in, the, in their class, and always a really beautiful prepared car. A shout-out as well for the 185 car in orange, black and white. This is a, another one of the oddities that o- only, it seems, the... ADAC, 24 hours of the Nürburgring, uh, throws up a Mercedes-Benz C230 for Team Auto Arena Motorsport in V4. But that car, again, an arena, Team Auto Arena, have been there or thereabouts. But it's the two rural racing Mercedes-Benz for, in the 22, Maro Engel, Jan Sefarth, Renga van der Schande, uh, Thomas Jäger, and in the 23 car, Klaus Graf, Christian Hoenadal. I'll have Hohenadal. to Hohenadal. He's Hohenadal. Uh, no, Hohenadal. <laughs> uh, Nico Baston, Thomas Jaeger. Again. Um, the, uh, and again, those guys know their way around here. They've been at the sharp end, and there will be. I, I mean, we're going to say this about a lot of the GT3 cars, but they are going to be there or thereabouts. Row racing have been podium finishers in the last few years in these cars. They are going to be there. 
there's a, a, a bit of a, a British interest in box number 15 because not only are the Nissan GT Academy Team RGN Nissan uh, GT3, the 35 car in here, but also one of the Bentley Motors Limited entries, the Guy Smith, Steve Kane, and Andy Mary car. Only three drivers in that. It's Alex Bunkham, uh, Bunkham Kaz, uh, Kazuki Hoshino, Lucas Odness, and Michael Crum in the 35 car. And they've got a couple of Toyota Team Thailand entered Corollas. We uh, last year, of course, for yeah. the first time. And uh, we're going to be. And the fabulously Natavuda Charon Sukawatana uh, is in that. The man they call the, the. They call him the Mad Cow, I think, if the I remember ma- right. The Mad Cow and worth, by the look of that, around 63 in Scrabble, I yeah. should think. But uh, no, the 35 car, I should say, Team RGN running this car again, of course. Car running in full black livery as, you know, in recognition of the, the awful accident that happened here in VLM 1 right. to one of their cars. Only one car. Late additions to the squad are Lucas Adonis. And Mike, Michael Crum. Um, they want to show well here. Bentley's up on a tie jacks at the moment with a bit of work being done, extra lights being fitted into the front of that car for this 24 hour race. Um, Bentley Motors Limited uh, and the 11 car. The, the HTP have got some cars in as well. We'll talk about those. In fact, they're next door, aren't they? So uh, the 84 is, is right next door and the 85 is right, right next door. That's not, that, that's, that's the wrong driver for number 11. That's the HTP car. Right. Uh, so the, H, the, the, the Guy Smith car is the all green car. We'll talk about it in a minute. This is the HTP car and that car. Right. This is the one with. With Harold Premat, uh, let's have a quick look. Let's have a look down this side. Uh, it's Harold Premat, Marcus Seyfried, uh, Christian Smith, and Klaus Bruch. Klaus Smith and uh, Christian Bruch uh, in in that car. So these are the, these are customer Bentleys. This is, this is customer cars. One of one of five Bentleys now obtained by uh, HTP Team Bentley for this race for VLN for ADAC GT Masters and for the Blancpain GT Series. Uh, moving next door... Where are the guys the the, from M Sport are here? Hello, chaps. Still working hard, putting up the uh, the lightning gantry. So it's the 85 car, then, that has Guy Smith, Stephen Kane, Andy Merrick, and Lance David Arnold added to that. In both cars for Lance right. David Arnold. He's, he's there, basically, he's their joker in the pack. And this is the car that's going to be, I'm sure, the poster boy for just about every British fan, because while she's not here in the garage at the moment, I've seen the car. So have I. It is in a gorgeous tribute to the 2003 Speed 8 that won the Le Mans 24 hours so it's an all over green car with maybe a few too many stickers on for my li- for my liking uh, alongside the 84 car which is uh, which at the moment has uh, got Harold Prima and uh, Christian Brook uh, listed I I think no that got, needs swapping over with the got, 11 they've got that all wrong but yeah. that'll get sorted overnight I'm sure that car in the regular BMW M Sports uh, livery uh, these cars are I think a pretty good tool around here John you know no I agree I absolutely agree um, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport it's our uh, Ed, uh, Zurich 24 hour ADAC Nürburgring special Graham Goodwin and John Hindorf are in the pit lane we're walking back towards pit in from pit out we're at box number 13 at the moment a couple of Aston Martins to talk about here they're sitting at the front the dark red and white Avia sponsored 87 car is the Mathol Racing AVA and the Stadavita Racing team next to it, the 88 car, in a very pretty dark metallic blue. Uh, again, these are GT4 cars, so this is an SP10 effort. And these are guys here who, you know, they'll be there or thereabouts in their class. I'm seeing that a lot about a lot of people, but it's true. These are going to be at the sharper end of the class. These GT4 cars, 
big growth area at the moment for Aston and for everyone else. And cars that have been developed from the performance centre, from the development centre here at the Nürburgring. And not just as, as race cars, but also as road cars as well. They've, Aston have, have put a lot of effort and energy, time and money into developing the cars here. Aston came early to uh, the Nürburgring uh, to, to hone their racing skills. This is the fruit of their loins, if you like, as a result of that. Uh, the Aston Martin Vantage, uh, V8 Vantage GT4 now, a very common sight here and in other endurance races, and quite correctly so. Had a huge amount of success here in the class with these cars. And you're absolutely right, John, it would be a surprise if one other or both of them were knocking on the door of a podium finishing class. Now, we've got a couple of Hondas sitting outside of that garage as well, the 76 and the 354. I suggest they may be looking for some uh, space at the moment. It's a support race car. Ah, it's a support race car, is it? Excellent. Just to throw me out even further. Yes, good point. Uh, Different um, numbers on the side. Another Aston Martin V8 GT4 uh, in the next garage along, uh, which has got uh, Bernd Kleeschilter, Michael Heimrich, uh, Axel Jan and Dimitri Lukovonovic in it. Um, that's very pretty too. And again, you know, the kind of paint vinyl. splash. The, the that's the very in this year. There's a BMW down the other end. I noticed that was like that. Uh, car to watch for here, not in the garage at the moment, but when you see it, you won't miss it. Is a super aggressive looking Ford Focus. Yes, looks like uh, a slammed rally car. Now this is a Ford Focus. It's not a Mark silhouette no, no, car. This is a Ford Focus, and it's uh, it's it's a very purposeful looking touring car style racer, and I think that's one that we've got to watch. That's a SP3T car. Now, got a, very interested about box number eleven. Um, just. Uh, coming on to 25 minutes to the hour, so we'll have to speed our little chat up a little bit. Um, this is all about Toyota. Toyota and Lexus, to be uh, absolutely pedantic. We've got the Team Toyota Gazoo Racing Lexus Code X LFA, the Lexus RC, in with Lexus Racing uh, and Toyota Swiss Racing Team with another different Lexus. This is an ISF CCSR uh, and a couple of Toyota GT86s as well. I love the GT86s. They look fabulous, but the star has got to be still, for me, the LFA, the V10-engined beast that sits at the front of the garage here. It is a fantastic piece of kit. Sounds great. Looks great. And John, I think just tracking back to what we saw the Aston Martin garage, why have we got the GT12? The GT12 is in response to that car because it races against the the Aston Martin in-class. There's no doubt that the GT4 Aston Martins can't handle that level of pace, but perhaps the GT12 might be able to, and I think that's the game. Although, in fairness, the the LFA Codex has gone into SP Pro this year. I don't think it'll matter. I think we're going to see them going head-to-head. Uh, and look, still looks great, and it's great to see that car. The ISF, by the way, which is a little bit—is that that ISF a little bit further back? Yes, it is. That looks absolutely brilliant, and we've got to get used to seeing Toyota Gazoo racing. In fact, on everything Toyota uh, from now on, of course. I've just realised, John, that is a that is a that's an RCF. Oh, there it? is an RCF in here as well, yes. So the 187, I'm, I'll double check as, if, as to that, whether or not that car looks very much more stock and not GT3. Based. No, that, I think if I'm right, and I'll just check. Check this out. I've got a feeling that the that's, that's uh, it's exactly. an SP3T. Uh, right. So it's what it's not is the, uh, the GTE the, or GT3. No, the, version. there's a GT3 version of this car which will start to race, but not in GT3 yet. Not quite the development. Not quite there. The interesting thing about that car is if you look across to the ISF, you'll see the name of Freddie Bart. Yeah. Uh, that is from Emil Fry Racing. 
uh, together with Lorenz Fry. They are one of two teams, together with Farmbacker Racing, that will campaign effectively a full GT3 spec Lexus in later uh, VLN races this year. So we're up now to... Or- down, I suppose, down to box number 10. And clearly, we've run out of people who are going to be at the shop in the field. Oh, no, we haven't, because we've got Zach Speed and Kramer Racing in the same pit area. The Zach Speed Mercedes Benz with Sebastian Ash, uh, Tom Coronel, Luca Ludwig, and Christian Vitoris. And Luca Ludwig, yes, is son of. Uh, and in the Kramer Porsche 911 GT3 KR. So they've done Kramer like, Ma- they've done like oh, Manti, yes. brilliant. Uh, Edward Bornack, Wolfgang Kaufmann and Mike Ronenfath. And this Mobile 127 car, um, I think, is just another gorgeous beast. I don't normally get this close up to the cars. They're still doing a bit of work at this time of the evening, as you can probably hear around. But Zach Speed have got a fabulous, fabulous history here and still you know, have their premises on pretty much on the circuit Zach Speed Viper for me yeah. in those emerging years when we were considering coming to talk, talk about this race John where they were the dominant force uh, they are absolutely a ring legend uh, Zach Speed great to see them back in the top class with a top class looking car the Kramer car the back of the garage there as well uh, in very kind of heritage livery that will be there in the kind of Porsche Cup class if you like and will be one that we'll show to uh, BMW, Ford Focus and an Opel Manta oh, is it? the Kissling Motorsport Hans Olaf Beckman, Volker Strytrek, Peter Hassan Jürgen Schulten, got to have a look through the window the Foxtail is, has been spotted, it it's the first time there it is, the twin headline more Opel Manta, it looks like a 400R the slightly flared arches is the sister to that Ford Focus I was talking about in there as well right. which is just the two stars here are Schubert Motorsport yeah. now renamed BMW Sports Trophy Team uh, Schubert Snappy. with yeah, trips off the trunk. Um, no disrespect to anybody else in there. The Manta will be, of course, a fan favourite and looking more immaculate than any Manta ever did back in the 1980s, by the way. The 19 car, Dirk Muller, Alexander Sims, Dirk Werner and Mark Wittmann, Dominic Bauman, Claudia Hergen, Jens Klingman and Martin Tomczyk. Tomczyk, Tomczyk. Uh, in that car. And, you know, there's BMW's play. There's their cards being laid out for... The, the first of the BMWs. It's a bit late for it. That uh, tornado to be going by. I didn't realise they were still flying. Oh yes. Um, but th- that's the BMW um, play for the front of the field and the overall victory. Uh, absolutely. Those cars are the ones we're going to come and talk along uh, about in two, two garages' time with a sister team. Uh, but yes, BMW, hungry for success here. They've, they've not had overall success for too long. They've had too many times, John, when they've been leading this race and then the car disappears in the middle of the night. We've talked about Zaxby, we've talked about Kramer. If you're going to talk about we've talked about Manti. If you're going to talk about names that are inextricably linked with the Nürburgring and particularly the Nordschleife. The Frickadelli Racing Team might not trip off the tongue. However, Shabina Schmidt does. And with Patrick Heisman, Patrick Peele and Jörg Bergmeister, factory driver, all of a sudden Porsche are interested in this race again. You want to know a Porsche that's going to be capable of winning this race? You're looking at it right now. Sabine, twice winner of this race. Frickadelli have been on the podium in the last, two, uh, last, uh, the last several years. Uh, they've had some bad luck in recent years, particularly I think last year, if I remember, they were out quite early. That, to me, is a statement of intent. This is a team that wants to take this race. They're also another team, by the way, running a Porsche GT Cup America. Which has got Conor de 
Philippe here, as well as Klaus Abel and Mark Gindorf and Frank Kreiling in it. Now, Conor de Philippe is probably the better known name to most of our listeners, but those people who I've mentioned, I've commentated on here for the last nine times I've been here. There are no idiots in that car. <laughs> uh, lock two there, the number 13 car, it's the alternatively fueled Dodge Viper pretty green car that one is so that would be one to look out for and listen is to. that on lpg again that's an lpg again right okay now let's move up to box number seven to pit garage number seven chock full of bmws a couple of more of these bmw 235 racing cars i've got to get myself in one of those there is kurt ecker's motorsport uh, 911 uh, 911 997 gt3 cup car there's one of the 130i gtrs as well but in here the bmw sports trophy you're seeing a pattern here uh, mark vds team uh, of the 25 and the 26 cars in their silver, yellow and uh, dark maroon colours uh, the 25 for Maxime Martin he's good everywhere, he's good when it's wet he's good when it's dry, Lucas Lure, not bad Marcus Paltella well, pretty in decent sitting uh, doing a, a little bit of driver change and Richard Westbrook uh, in there in the GT3 Z4 on the 26 side of the garage uh, is Augusto Farfus, Jörg Muller, Nicky Katzberg and Dirk Eerdorf yum yum but four drivers in those cars, and yep. we have seen some drivers with only some cars well, we'll with only three. That's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, uh, comparison to make as to what we get to in terms of fatigue levels, in terms of. I know there's two points of view. We debated this in the car on the way down, mm. didn't we? Is it the good or the bad way to do it with three or four drivers? Do you get out of your rhythm? Are the fatigue levels involved here, particularly if you're getting to poor weather and the concentration levels here? Uh, we'll wait and see. But either way, John, that is eight drivers you'd like to have on your payroll, isn't it? And BMW would love to go out with that Z4 with a win. Remember, it's coming to the end of its life, the new car. As Graham mentioned earlier on, we might see uh, later on this week. Uh, Box number six. I think we only go to box four uh, before we run out of people to talk about, but that's all right because we're coming uh, up to quarter two, so we'll rattle through these. Another OPC Cup car for Bliss Autosport. Uh, the Falcon Motorsports Porsche GT3 are for Peter Dumbreck, Wolf Hensler, Martin Ragginger and Alessandra Imperatore. That's a second Porsche you cannot count out. There are absolutely no dummies there. It's uh, you know Falcon very keen to show well here. The course that they are a race sponsor. Despite the fact we have, I think it's eight or nine time manufacturers involved in the race here, all of these cars will carry Falcon branding. However, the talking point in this garage is in SPX which is another one of the special groups Uh, these are the GT3 compliant Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus SCG 003Cs correct and what a magnificent what a beautiful first time I've I've had a chance to see I think you too John Mm. Uh, we've both had a chance to speak to Jim Glickenhaus and well, what can you say? The only reason they're not in GT3 is because they haven't built enough of them. It's as simple as that. But Jim uh, just gave me a little soundbite earlier. I know we're going to talk to him on, on the show as well. But uh, it was too many people concentrate on the destination and forget about the journey. And that's what it's all about. It's an adventure. Stay tuned to RadioLamont.com because on this big Wednesday, prior to our live coverage, when we finish Midweek Motorsport tonight... Uh, exclusive inside with Jim Glickenhaus recorded uh, early this morning in their awning uh, and by the way with um, Marino Franchitti and Frank Mayer and I had a chat with Frank this morning as well although not recorded he's loving it uh, and Ken Dobson uh, on the drive now I guess that must be the Ken Dobson who won the one and only 
a touring car championship in the States that will run the Talker rules, Super Touring rules, wow. in a Dodge Stratos. Well, if that's the case, then, then you get it better than I do. Well, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that. The cars are still very new, but they've shown well in the couple of VLN races that we've had. There's a lot of work to come, and worth listening to the inside story that we have at 10 o'clock after this programme tonight. Some more big races, big names and big... Um, uh, reputations here and in fact had Marino not been in garage number six he probably would have been in five driving with Bill Cameron Willie Moore and Peter Bonk because he's paired up with them before they're back with the 991 Carrera Cup car we'll remember that one at times 57 uh, on the door the uh, Bonk Motorsport the beautifully named Bonk Motorsport with Michael Bunk, uh, Alexander Meese uh, in the 306 among the drivers uh, Mario Merton and uh, Emina Carter in the 307 uh, and in the 312 car, um, they've got Guy Stewart, Jürgen Mayer, both been here before, Yusuke Shimojima uh, as well. Now, Bonk Motorsport do not run things badly, and the, one of the fact that, you know, we have a laugh about their name, but it comes up more times than not because they're at the sharp end of the field. Well, that's, this is the point at which you stop laughing and start talking, isn't it? And the reality is, when we run through those, those class leaders, through the 24-hour, John, year after year after year, there are names that come up. Black Falcons, one Bonk Motorsports, quite another. And they will come up in multiple uh, classes as well. Now, up to box four, which I believe is the last of our entrants. Yes, it is. And so this is the first pit. Now, I don't know if Harry Bull Racing Team picked this um, or whether it just happens to be here. But we've, we've got big contenders in the very last pit and pit out. We've got big contenders here. For the race win, Uwe Alsen, Mark Holter, Norbert Siedler and Maxi Goetz in this car. Another Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG GT3. It will do the trip. Will it last the night? Can they pull off another victory for this Haribo racing team? It's another one you just drool when you see the names. I mean, the delivery is just iconic now, the, you know, the golden bear. But on a Mercedes-Benz this year, uh, of course, after years with Porsche, it's Mercedes-Benz this year for the Haribo racing team. A real mix of cars in here. VW Scirocco, Volvo v, uh, V40, diesel. The only Volvo here. Indeed. Uh, BMW 135D GTR with a game with some uh, familiar names in it. That's entered by the Saxon Motorsport crew from the UK. And the 207 is an Audi A4 Quattro. That's that. Uh, the, we've seen this before. I think that one is in row colours as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And, of course, the Aerobo Racing Team. This garage, it's, it just epitomises, doesn't it, what it's all about here. It is about the overall race win, of course it is, but it's more than that. It's about these guys running for class wins as well. Just notice the Volvo is, is entered by uh, Heiko Sportive GmbH and Co. Now, we haven't got a Heiko no, in the top class. Com- different people? Completely different. Heiko Motorsport, as was, no longer exists. Uh, so this, this is a completely uh, different organisation, but... You know, it's good to see the variety. We love to see variety, and it's great, John. You know, we talk about when we talk about the WEC traffic. You want to see traffic? Here's traffic, mm. and we'll wait and see when we get the final entry list tomorrow. What the the final entry is going to be here? It's going to be a little bit down, I think, this year because of the, some of the issues they've had in in terms of prep. But we're still going to be talking well north of 150 cars to start around this uh, around this. Well, the quality this year, and particularly in the top class, well over 30 full house GT3 cars. I've said there's no cars further up. I'm just going to have a quick look to make sure that I'm not actually telling you porkies. No, there's a, a whole heap of very very lovely uh, Audi A6 estate cars, which are all TDIs, actually, TDI Quattros, that are the uh, official uh, cars, which look very... Oh, no, hang on, I've just spotted the RS6. I'll be nicking the keys uh, to that one. Graham, it, it, 
we'll, we'll have a little wander back down the pit lane as the late evening work continues uh, here on our midweek motorsport special on RadioLeMond.com. We're in the pit lane uh, at the Nürburgring Nordschleife uh, and Grand Prix circuit. Our live coverage starting tomorrow. Check the site for details. It's impossible to pick a winner in any of the classes from here. But what we're looking forward to is a race with slightly heavy hearts, certainly to start with, and everybody knows the reasons behind that, so we'll not labour that point. But we have got a race. We've got a race that will see more than 30 of probably the ultimate iteration of performance street cars, street-based performance cars that we've ever seen. We've seen those these cars lap the Nordschleifer quicker than Nicky Lauda did in 1976 in a Formula One car. That won't happen this year because of the slow zones. But we've got another real race in our hands. What's interesting to me is what difference those slow zones will make to reliability of these cars because they won't be flat out for as long as they would have been in previous years. It's going to be interesting. There's some very interesting um, points raised by some of the drivers. Have a quick look at Daily Sports Car if you're kind of tuning in to the race because uh, one of our guys. Stephen Herity, long chat with uh, with several of the drivers involved here, see what their responses were, and actually they weren't as negative as you might think. You know, everybody's under aware that this circuit, this race, is under the microscope at the moment. We don't want to see this going away. We have said in the past, John, you know, come along and see it quickly before people realise what's going on and ban it. You know, that kind of sort of came into focus in a horrible way this this year. It did, but it's under it's a risk, and I think the reality is there was a very rapid response from the DMSB and from the race organisers here, and I think that's quite correct. Let's see how it pans out. Um, I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. I think we've got some of the, some of the kind of the old the, the, the older kind of soldiers here. Uh, can see some of the new, young blood coming, including Aston Martin, who've been mm. closer and closer year by year. Bentley are here for their first tilt at it. Nissan, despite the woes early in the year, will be looking to, to really shine here. You know, this is not a foregone conclusion this year that it's going to be a German car winning. And it's been a German car winning for as long as uh, anyone can have. Back to Viper days. Yeah. And, and that was a German team that, that, that ran it. Um, you know, I'll say this if you're within hearing, if you're within a day's drive of the Nurburgring and you're listening to this now, you could do a lot worse than jumping into public holiday uh, in Germany on Thursday tomorrow if you're listening to this live. Um, so the roads might be a little bit busier than were normal, but it's worth coming down to see this. What we don't know is what the future holds longer term for the ADAC. Zurich 24 hours of the Nürburgring but what we're looking forward to this year uh, is a race that you know we're used to seeing people win this race by 10 20 30 minutes laps we we're used to seeing that that's this that's the type of race this is it's a I've called the WEC recently uh, a new fashioned race uh, endurance race this is an old old fashioned uh, race where you get laps on the field and a lap here is you know eight ten minutes long this year it might be a bit of a different character to the race well we've seen both haven't we we've seen the, the races extraordinary races where in the final minutes the last few years we've had uh, things going badly wrong for leading cars we've had cars on the same lead lap for significant pos- yes. same lead lap for significant positions either the overall win or indeed for podium well, we've seen we've seen that changing on the last lap haven't we, we? not have. for the win but certainly for, podium, for podium positions, positions. and then beyond that you've got the rest of it which is you know look if we spool it back and do talk for a moment about the WEC we're you and I both keen exponents of actually say telling listeners don't forget the classes 
don't forget the classes here. Mm. There's some proper teams in proper cars with proper drivers, and they're going to be just as keen to come home and take the, take the silverware here as anybody would be in, in World Motorsport. Uh, we're going to go and learn the 17-page entry list off by heart tonight. Yeah, right. Um, and don't forget, coming up after Midweek Motorsport, after this programme, stay tuned tonight. It's Big Wednesday. We have an exclusive inside with Jim Glickenhaus about the SCG 003, about his philosophy, about his passion. It's something you'll want to listen to. He's got some very, very interesting words on the future of motoring, not just the present. That comes up after this programme. Right, we're back underneath uh, our home for the weekend, which is the Aston Martin uh, lounge area. Uh, We're going to run upstairs and pack things up, so we'll leave it to uh, Tim and to Nick to round up Midweek Motorsport tonight, but we'll talk to you tomorrow. Back to you guys uh, in the UK, guys. You're going to miss a great race. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Thank you, John and Graham. Nick Damon is still with us. I hope so. Excellent. Uh, Just looking at uh, the collective and uh, lots of uh, people putting photos of uh, cars onto uh, the forums at radio1.com. Uh, that uh, Fricadelli Porsche, I don't like the look of that at all. Horrible colour. Um, <laughs> uh, Speed 6 comments, the 2015 Milli Milia begins tomorrow too. Yes, it does. And one of the contenders for Point Press Release of the Week this week uh, was uh, Milli Milia rela- related. Uh, but it hasn't made it. No. No. It's normally that I watch. Everyone seems to want to call I think I think Millimilia hasn't got a very good copyright because people are always calling their things Millimilia. Yes. Perhaps you can't copyright a thousand miles in Italian. It's just a distance. Mm. Uh so here's our runner up for Pointless Press Release okay. of the Week. Callum Islet is having a testing time at the moment. The mm. week started with school exams and ends with a Grand Prix of Poe. It doesn't mention that. Uh, is there a Grand Prix of Tinky Winky and a Grand Prix of Dips and a Grand Prix of Lala? Because that's coming back now, so the Teletoe jokes are, are re-allowed into that. Uh, yeah, they, they, they re- they're remaking it uh, in widescreen HD. So like, that's the point, because 18-month-old children haven't changed. Just keep on playing the same ones as before. Exactly. They wouldn't care. No. Uh, it goes on to mention uh, previous winners of the Po Grand Prix, Tatsuya Nuvolari, Juan Manuel Fangio, Jim Clark, and Jochen Rindt. Um and says no, that lot uh, uh, flew out to France this afternoon, swapping his school books for the steering wheel of his car in Delora VW. So that's a runner-up. Uh, I thought it was point that's really tiresome. Tiresome press release of the week. Maybe it is. Uh, but we mentioned domestic appliances earlier. Yes. And this week's winning pointless press release of the week mm-hmm. is domestic appliance related. Fantastic. Here comes a headline. Go on. Supermarket fridges to become more energy efficient thanks to Formula One. Okay. Right. Um, fine. Energy consumption makes up a significant percentage of a supermarket's operational costs, with energy-hungry refrigerators that keep the produce cool the largest consumer of power. Open-fronted, yes. multi-deck refrigerators that line the aisles of supermarkets consume excessive energy, with some of the cold air used to cool 
produce spilling out into the aisles, resulting in increased energy consumption and cold aisle syndrome, which can be that unpleasant for shoppers. No, that is true. Marks and Spencers right nearby me. Um, don't go down the, the uh, chiller aisle unless you've got a jumper on. There's a massive chill issue there. Really? Mm. They could put doors on the front and stop the... Uh... Oh, but then you wouldn't make impulse buyers to open the door. That's true. Uh, aerofoils are carefully designed and engineered profiles that control the direction of airflow, aerofoil energy and Williams Advanced Engineering, the division of Williams that commercialises Formula One derived technology and know-how, mm-hmm. are developing a new retrofitable aerofoil system that attaches onto each refrigerator shelf to keep more of the cool air inside the cabinet. A 30,000 square foot supermarket consumes one and a half million kilowatt hours of energy. So is someone going to put a one-quarter-scale Tesco into a wind tunnel? Uh, this has been developed with Sainsbury's. So. Oh, well, one-quarter-scale Sainsbury's then. Apparently not. Um, so uh, they produce an energy-saving range of <laughs> 18 to 41.5%. That's quite a big range. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm very impressed by, by, by the fact they've stuck some wings on a fridge. Yes. Uh, I think we need to get Sam Collins involved in that. Well, absolutely, yes. I mean, he could tell me the the yeah the the, the reason behind it, the hybridisation, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is all we've got time for on this week's midweek motorsport. Thank is you it? to yes. Apart from uh, to say thank you to Nick Damon. Thank you. And to Jim Roller, Joe Bradley, Paul Trustwell, Graham Goodwin, and uh, John Heintoff, who are at the Nurburgring. They'll be back tomorrow afternoon from just before 2.30 UK time uh, for the first free practice session from the uh, 19, uh, 19? 2015 uh, Zurich ADAC Nürburgring 24 hours that's not the only motorsport we've got this weekend because we also have the second round of the European Le Mans series and Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones uh, are in Imola for that and coming up next here on RadioLeMans.com a brand new inside as John Heintoff goes behind the scenes of the Glickenhaus project Uh, I've been Tim Gray in London Uh, thanks for listening and uh, I haven't got anything Lama related to say. Nick, have you got any ideas? There's no time to explain. The whole team's having a large stein of beer. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.